Welcome to the second episode of Here's Some Guys. Um, thank you for joining us again for some reason. Um, today, a uh, very similar format. We're going to uh, draft from five categories. So if you missed our first episode, we created our own bench mob. Um, eventually, I'll get the Twitter up and running so people can vote on that. But after walking away, I think we pretty much agree that Anthony won that one uh, just from a raw talent standpoint because somehow I ended up with Manu Ginobili uh, Andre Iguodala and John Havlicek on the same bench. Um, but uh, very similar. We're going to uh, do another draft here. Uh, we have five categories. We have a theme, uh, five categories. Each person gets to select one player from each category and the draft order rotates. So everybody gets a crack at that number one shot. So today we're going to talk coulda, shoulda, woulda. Some alternate reality stuff here. Um, we're going to branch off into the uh, theories of quantum physics by exploring alternate universes with coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Uh, we have five categories. Uh, they are injury. So injury, what ifs. We have foreign what ifs, forward players who didn't reach their potential for one reason or another. Um, wrong place, wrong time. Um, aborted trades or free agency, what if scenarios. And finally, kind of a wild card where anybody can kind of do anything or person in the NBA related world who did not reach their potential for whatever reason. Um, to help me blaze through these five categories, I have my five co-hosts. Uh, we got Anthony. Yeah. We got Tyler. Hello. Who's sounding a little bit louder today. We got Socorro. What's up, guys? And last but definitely not least, Enrique. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sound like sound like Waluigi. <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah. By the way, the uh the, the fans that we have might already be nitpicky and say, Hey, you said five co hosts and that was only four. Oh, uh, you're totally right. Four co hosts. I'm the fifth. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I consider myself to... I think of myself in the third person, so Yep. Um Travis is the fifth uh person. That's me. Um so I guess without further ado, we're just going to jump right in. So just again to reiterate, we're going to have our fab five categories. Um, we're going to draft one player from each. Um, and so in our first category, which is the injury category, we have Socorro, who's on the clock and the pick is already in. Oh, man. Okay, we're jumping right into this. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we might as well cool. since we all know where you're going with this. Yep, 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 yep. Um, uh, there's, some there's a lot of options. I think if anything... This is the easiest category to find picks for. Agreed. Um, it just so happens that this is also <laughs> probably the most passionate thing that I like. The biggest thing I'm most passionate about when it comes to uh, basketball that I've watched in my lifetime. Uh, so, yeah, for this category, I'm going to go with Derek Rose. Um, <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Tear up my draft board. Yep, yep. So, Coral yeah, picked so, Derek Rose. So yeah, let me let me just kind of go over some of the things I got going here. Um, first of all, the reason why I'm nominating him is pretty obvious. Um, in the 2012, in 2012, he tore his ACL, left knee against the 76ers in the first game of the first uh, first round of the first game. And then in 2014, he had a torn meniscus in his right knee against the Trailblazers. So he just had like a, a history of very serious injuries that just ultimately he never recovered from and wasn't. He's never been the same player ever since. Um, and this was uh, right after he had just received his, uh, you know, the, the MVP award in 2011. 
He's the youngest in league history at the age of 22 and a half. Um, he even landed a contract that offered him 30% of the max, um, which is known as the Derrick Rose rule. Uh, and he also took the Bulls in 2011 to a 60-plus record, which was the first time since 1998 that they've been able to accomplish that. Uh, he's also the third player to record 2,000 points and 600 assists since the 73 season. Uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James are the only other two to do this. So oh, those are pretty he, good names. Yeah, pretty good names to have yours next to. So he is a at 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 that point in time within his first three four seasons, he was a pretty prolific player. Um, regarded as you know, arguably the best point guard in the league. Um, and some of the highlights that I just think of when I think about Derrick Rose is that his up and under layups um, are just like were so good, so good. There's a there's footage of him taking going against the Celtics. And he cuts through, and he just does an up and under and cuts through three different Celtic defenders and somehow gets the ball in the basket. It was insane. Um, even as a point guard, he's able to receive alley-oop dunks, uh, which happened quite a few times, uh, chase down blocks. And then like he had this behind-the-back dunk where he would just take it so far, like arch his body back, and it was just unblockable because unless you're coming from behind. So the kind of what-if that I want to pose here is that if he had never gotten injured, the Chicago Bulls would have gone on to beat Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Ooh. Um, yes. Wow. Spicy. Ooh, that is and the reason I'm saying this yep, is because they had won every uh, season, every game against them in the season. I think there was four of them. Uh, and then I'm going to also go one step further and say they beat the Mavericks in the finals because they won both the regular season games there. Um, and Rose would get the finals MVP. And then from there, assuming that he doesn't get any of these major injuries, um, the Bulls just becomes a much more competitive organization behind Derrick Rose. Um, as far as speculating how many more championship titles they get, I don't know. It gets a little too mer- like you know unclear from that point on. But yeah, that's kind of what I, I envision. Spicy. Do you have a close personal connection with Derrick Rose because you guys uh, both don't have any knees anymore? Or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that he's my spirit NBA player. Yeah. Did you injure your knee while you were wearing Derrick Rose shoes? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. It could be the shoes. I don't think so. Um, the first injury was back in like the end of high school. So I didn't have Derrick Rose shoes at that point. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just checking. So Derrick Rose off the bat first and maybe one of the bigger modern uh, what ifs. I don't know. You guys tell me. When I think of like big injury what ifs from the last 10 years, Derrick Rose is usually the first one that comes up for me. Yeah. You know, he's up there at least one of the top. Couple. When, you, when, you, when you win, when you win MVP at 21, and then the next year, the next two years, are killed by serious knee injuries, you gotta wonder where that where that was go- going and stuff. Yeah, and just the fact that he, his athleticism was part of his game. Yeah, I, it it pains me to say this, but we might actually have people listening who are too young to remember Derrick Rose, which is absurd. But um, the comparison I think that he gets to current players a lot is, is, is Russell Westbrook. And you can debate a little bit about who's maybe the more physical specimen, but the fact that it's a debate should tell you everything that you need to know about prime Derrick Rose's athletic ability. So once his knee started to go, he kind of had to readapt, which he has a little bit, which is nice to see. Yeah, now he's like a knockdown three-point shooter. It's very nice to see. Cool. So Derrick Rose first off the board. Um, so I don't think any of us wrote Derrick Rose down because we knew. 
that when it came to this category, Socorro was going to go for him. So, and you got the first pick in what is, I agree, the easiest, which means you have the last pick in the next category, which might be the hardest. So good luck with that, Socorro. Up next, Enrique. <laughs> nice. All right. So this NBA player only played for four healthy seasons. Wow. Um, reigning from China. Uh, also known as Shaggy Chan, wow. Ming the Merciless, yeah, yeah. or Beast from the Far East, Yao Ming. <laughs> um, Yao Ming's the guy that uh, you missed his best nickname, the Great Wall of China. One? The Great Wall, yep. yeah, yeah, he's right there. Um, so yeah, thanks for filling it in for me. Uh, Yao Ming would have been the greatest center of all time had he played. Wow. wow! 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 You know, wait, wait, wait! Quick, quick pause. I remember Enrique having composed the top ten NBA players of all time list, and Shaq was like one or two on that list. He was number one. Yep. Wow, that's a powerful statement coming from you. Wow. But sorry, continue. I'd love to hear more about why. Uh, yeah. So. Obviously, top shot blocker uh, in the four seasons that he played. He owns career averages, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 1.9 blocks, um, and was immediately clear the Houston Rockets had much more um, than uh, Sean Bradley at the time, obviously. Uh, Unfortunately, he had foot, back, knee injuries after his third season, and trying to play through 77 games, Yao never made it. Uh, more than in that last fourth season, he didn't average more than 25 minutes. Um, strong, strong free throw shooter as well. Uh, better than Shaq. Uh, Would have, yeah, or was in a similar span where he'd get fouled a lot. Uh, but it wasn't a hack of Yao because Yao could actually hit his free throws. And uh, he's just a good guy. He's a good guy. I think uh, he would have, he would have gone, he would have gone far if uh, those injuries didn't hold him. I am maybe one of the biggest Yao guys out there. And I don't think I'd say that he'd <laughs> be the best center ever. But what I do remember is in one of the seasons that he got injured, it might have been the last, his last great season. Um, he, I think he got injured in December-ish, maybe January-ish time. And up to that point in my book, he was the MVP of the league. Like He was, in my opinion, the most valuable player in the NBA. So I'm with you. From a talent standpoint, I mean, to be that big, to be that skilled, is like, what do you do? Yeah. And you can't yeah, foul him because, that, like you said, he's a great free throw shooter. To have the touch that he had at that size was something that was crazy. And even when uh, when Shaq would talk about him, he said that really that was like the only other person that he considered at his level at the time. Yeah. Um, being as dominant as Shaq was, yeah, I was the same one. Um, I still remember the uh, they were talking about that very first game that Shaq played against Yao, and Yao like blocked like the first three or four attempts that Shaq had, and yep. Shaq kind of realized, oh, this is <laughs> this is not something I'll be able to take take lightly. So yeah, no, that, that's a great choice, man. Yao was Yao was something else, and he was working to get better too. That's the thing is he was a hard yeah. worker. Um, he was he was acclimating to the NBA. And averaging like almost 20 points a game his first couple of seasons. Um, and um, 
the thing is people look at him and go, of course he had injuries because he was seven six and skinny and he was he looked skinny, but he was like three hundred and fifteen pounds or something like that, just because he was so big. But his size did catch up to him, seven foot six, and it was really that foot that got to him. So I think it's a great pick. I love the spiciness that we have so far. Center of all time, wow. And and Derek Rose, Chicago Bulls champion. So Yep. Nifty. So Anthony, you got a lot to to live up to here with the third pick. Oh, am I next? You are next, sir. Um, so for me, uh, Yao was actually going to be my pick as well. Nice. Uh, but, um, again, this being kind of the easiest, um, of the categories, um, there are a lot of people to choose from. Um, I'm going to go with, um, someone who a lot of people kind of considered was LeBron James before LeBron James. Um, uh, that being Grant Hill. Oh. Um, someone who came into the league um, was someone who could who could get you those points, rebounds, assists. Again, kind of kind of was that person who. Uh, was that LeBron James before LeBron James came in? Um, uh, came in, drafted by the Pistons, um, and someone who just had so much potential um, until he got injured. Um, he was able to kind of resurface towards the towards the part of the latter part of his career um, as more of like a specialist type of player, but uh, we never really got to see what he could have truly became. Um, because of, of his injuries um, and just it, it was just kind of a shame because again someone who had that type of size um, who was able to to move like he was um, just kind of epitomized the, the the small ball forward type of player that we kind of see um, in today's NBA um, Grant Hill was definitely someone who who could have become one of the one of the greater players. Um, he still was inducted into the Hall of Fame, I believe, um, but definitely uh, someone who uh, his his best years were were kind of shattered from from those injuries that he had. Yeah, um, like you said, a, a kind of a LeBron type before LeBron. Um, he was a guy who was getting touted as the next Jordan, or you know the heir apparent. Um, as he was kind of coming up. And the fact that he had a pretty decent basketball career, given everything that he went through in terms of injuries, kind of shows you, you know, it shows you, but also makes you think, like, what could his potential have been had he been able to stay completely healthy um, right. for a whole career? A do-it-all yeah. guy. And, like, oh, I guess we, I guess we mentioned it before we started rolling. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but you know there was a time where there was an opportunity for him to be part of a legendary team. You know that was that was what people thought. We got this guy, we got this guy, we got Grant yep. Hill. Nobody's yep. going to beat us. That's how good uh, and that's how important he was. Um, yeah, two uh, franchises. So some quick stats like it was only one of four players. Um, 
to have 9,000 points, 2,000 rebounds, and 2,500 assists in his first six seasons. Um, the other ones being the Big O, LeBron James, and Larry Bird, right? Um, so again, pretty decent. Those names. are some great, some great names to be in company with. Um, but was having those foot and ankle problems. Um, played only 47 games um, when he got to that team. Um, that everyone was again. We're not gonna spoil these uh, the other ones, but um, um, but again, that that potential that that could have been with him and um, that team just was kind of kind of ruined by that uh, those those injuries. So, and the fact that again, the fact that he still made it to the Hall of Fame, um, still put up really good numbers, um, having that those injury issues, uh, just kind of even kind of uh, puts more to the fact that uh, he could have been something amazing if he was able to stay kind of healthy throughout his, uh, his prime years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Grant Hill off the board. Great pick. You know, you started to describe him and I always think you could go anywhere because how many guys have we seen? I guess maybe you said LeBron before LeBron, but how many guys have we seen who have kind of that hype um, and injury just kind of, takes it away um i posed a question to you guys a long time ago which looking back on i'm a little bit bitter about but um it was a stupid question now that i look back on it but you guys might remember i asked if you could give a guaranteed healthy career to one player would it be patrick mahomes or would it be zion and you guys were all like zion and i agree with that now and obviously i'm a little bitter over the super bowl because i'm a niners fan but, um, you know, we see guys come in the league like this and there's so much hype around them. And in basketball, one player can really change the fortunes of a franchise more so than in any other sport. So a guy like Grant Hill was picked and drafted and you're looking at people around the organization thinking we're set for 12 years. Like, we're going to compete. We're going to make money. Like we're good to go. And as soon as they start having those injuries, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a tragedy. Obviously there are more, there are other real tragedies, but um, Grant Hill's a great one. That's a great one. Um, speaking of actually great transition. So I'm, a, I'm actually up next. And oh, speaking right. of tragedies, I, I was tempted to take Len Bias who famously died before he had an opportunity to play in the NBA. Um, but the problem is I didn't know enough about bias as a college player. He was before my time and I don't know enough about him doing research to be able to really claim without seeing any NBA action or college action myself, how good he would have been. So instead I'm going to go with a guy who was touted to be a franchise savior, who I did get to see a lot of, uh-huh. and that is Greg Odin, oh. uh, the number one overall draft, again, in the very famous 2007 NBA draft, um, selected one spot ahead of Kevin Durant, who, of course, is, you know, he's all, broken now, all forever, everything in terms of his rating as a basketball player. He's, you know, one of the 15 greatest players of all time, maybe. I don't know. I haven't really thought about his placing, but um, Greg Odin was a guy taken before him, and as a result, He's considered maybe the biggest bust of all time. He's on the list. And that's super unfortunate. 
Um, Grey Gun, I will stand by this till the day I die. Grey Gun was the right pick. Now, mm-hmm. do I know if he would have been the better player? I don't. But given the era that he was drafted in and the type of player that he was at that time, there's no denying that Grey Gun was the correct pick for the Portland Trailblazers um, at that time. A dominant center um, for basically his whole life. Like, he had a great college year, of course, but before that, he was one of those AAU guys who, you know, is a little bit pre what we have now. Um, YouTube was pretty new, all that stuff. But if he'd have been around today, he'd have been a guy that you heard about when he was a sophomore in high school. And you would have been tracking for years before he even started to go to college, right? He would have been a guy that, you know, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example right now, but I honestly don't follow high school that much. Is there like a, I don't know. But he would have been one of those guys, you know, who as a sophomore in high school, people would be like, man, you you see this Greg Oden guy? Um, A true seven-footer, legit size, he had pretty good touch around the rim. He was a dominant, you know, he would have been a great screen and roll guy. Um, I think he would have worked on his offense a little bit. But the thing that really his calling card was, was defense. And he drew comparisons, and I think rightfully so, to guys like Tim Duncan and Bill Russell. And he was poised to be, kind of become the heir apparent to Tim Duncan, which we don't really see players like that anymore. Um, but he was dominant. And he proved it in the NBA as well. People forget that he actually, when he was able to be on the court, um, he was really good. He had kind of a big coming out game. I cannot remember who it was, but I remember watching that game, like sitting down personally watching that game. And I was like, here we go. Like, this is it. Greg Golden is here. Um, Unfortunately, though, injuries completely derailed his career. You know, he had injuries so bad that the rumor is that one leg is literally longer than the other. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so completely derailed foot, leg. Um, obviously, there's, you know, the, the famous clip of his knee basically concaving in on itself. Um, it's kind of nasty to watch. And it's also hard to watch because you're like, that's like his third or fourth big injury already. Um, following that, he had some mental downturns and just never really made it back, um, which is a shame because I think we truly were robbed of a dominant generational player. Um, Similar to Enrique's claim, I think if Greg Oden were to have been able to be healthy and have a natural development, you know, natural career development, I think he could have been the best center (gasps) in the league for, you know, a long time. Heck, he'd only be in his 13th year now. He'd be getting old, but we might still be looking at him as somebody who could make a real big difference. Just because his defense was so good, um, his timing was awesome. The thing that I love about him is when he blocked shots, he didn't always block it to the fifth row. Like, he tip-blocked. It drives me crazy when players smash the ball out of bounds. I'm like, great, so now that team has a baseline out-of-bounds play. Um, I mean, it's just old man in me. I don't know. But um, <laughs> Greg Oden, to me, is probably the biggest what-if that I remember watching develop in my lifetime Um, because I watched him all throughout his freshman year at Ohio State um, and then I watched I was like super stoked to see him as a player in the NBA 
and just completely flamed out. Those blazers, you know, they might come up later. Who knows? Another big what if, you know, Odin, uh, Brandon Roy. Um, and Raw. I was convinced that Travis Outlaw was going to become a star. I don't know why. Maybe just the name Travis. I don't know. He has a really um, cool name. He does have a really cool name. Um, but uh, yeah, my pick's Greg Odin. I- I'm happy to see that he's in a better place now, like mentally and stuff like that. But forever, I think NBA fans will be wondering, what if that guy could have stayed healthy? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely a good pick. He was, again, someone who had all that hype around him. Um, Again, as you said, he was the obvious pick in that that draft um, at the time being. Um, With his skill set and his size, um, it was kind of unfortunate. I know him. I remember he had that kind of late resurgence where people thought, oh, maybe he can come back for a little bit when he Mm -hmm. was he went to that Miami Heat team. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just never was able to, to, to live up and pan out because of those injuries. And just kind of a shame because in those games that he, he did play, you could see how dominant that he was going to be if he had stayed healthy. Yeah. And I, I just, I just remember how, how terrible we all felt. Like, I think everybody watching the game of basketball felt knowing that, you know, the trailblazers as an organization had, kind of two duds in the sense that they were very, very talented players that ended up going through so, so many serious injuries that derailed yeah. their career. Um, so seeing Greg Oden and Brandon Roy sidelined like that and not being able to live up to the potential, I think hit everybody who was a fan of basketball pretty hard at the time. Yeah. And the trailblazers um, again, I mean, Tyler, you, you might, you might be, this might be stepping on your toes a little bit. I don't know since you have the next pick, but um, they also have a history of picking the wrong guy with an injury history ahead of a all-time player because they did the same thing with Sam Bowie in the 1984 draft where they selected Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan famously and Sam Bowie is another guy who when he was on the floor was a really good player was he Michael Jordan no but you know he, he was a really good player and just injuries derailed his career and so the Blazers have had some anytime that they're anytime that they have a like top pick and they pick a big guy uh, definitely get a little nervous yeah, for sure. You're definitely worried, but it was also um, sad. It was also sad because Greg Oden would come back and he would play for like five games and then he'd be out again. Right. It yep. like and then it'd be like, oh, he has to have microfracture surgery. Right. And you're just like, good lord, this guy is just cannot catch a break. And you wonder if with modern medicine, I mean, it's weird to say, you know, 2007 is old school, but honestly, the true scientific advancements have been happening in the medical field. 13 years is a huge difference. You almost wonder if they might have been able to do something for him where maybe he doesn't return to that dominance. But like we've seen a return from like Sean Livingston type of guys, um, maybe he could have come back and been and, and had had a career. Uh, but it's just unfortunate. But I've been throwing a bunch of names out there. So let's see if Tyler picked any of them or if he went in a different direction. So Tyler, with the last not. pick in the injury category... Sure. Oh, that's right. We got our swerve master right here. Swerve man. Oh, this isn't a swerve. This is this is everybody. Pretty vanilla. All right, straightforward. Yeah, uh, this is the guy that got me when I was young. Got me into basketball because uh, I saw. I saw. Uh, I think it was like a ninety-four, ninety-five, whenever him. But I watched him and Shaq play together. Mm. And Kobe. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, is Penny Hardaway? Yeah. Ah. D- 
dude was a highlight machine. He was magic. He was Kobe. He was dunking on people. He was making crazy passes in traffic to Shaq to let him finish. It, it was the first, like, dynamic duo I remember seeing. And that whole team is a big what if. Because if Shaq doesn't leave, that team, I don't know, even with Penny getting hurt, that team already made the play, like, the finals and got beat by uh, a team in the Rockets that were, I don't know if they were more talented. They were just way more experienced than that young team. But Penny was just crazy fun to watch. And, uh, like, he was scoring 20 points a game in, like, his first season. Sorry. Yeah, if you got... Yeah, if, he was scoring, he was, he scored 16 points his rookie there, and then the next four years he scored 20 points. And he could he had post moves. He could do everything. And it was really fun to watch him do everything. He was like an heir apparent to magic, basically. Because he was a tall point guard that was a pass. He was, he was a scoring point guard, but he passed like... He was a such a like a creative passer. It was very fun to watch him play. Uh, if listeners out there have never seen Penny Hardaway play, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to go look up some highlights, or even better yet, if you could find like game footage, um, because like Tyler said, yes, he has great highlights and he was super athletic and explosive. But the other thing that he was great at was um, like controlling the game. Um, and you need to check this guy out because. Penny Hardaway was a bad dude for sure. Um, a big guard, like you said, which at this time was not necessarily common. Um, nope. Six seven, but could run point. Um, and that pairing with Shaq was legendary. I mean, absolutely legendary for sure. And if listeners want to go watch highlights of Penny Hardaway, you'll see why his knees gave out early in his lifetime. Yes. Because that dude would run full speed and then just jump to a stop and then jump off two feet, which is that looks like it's painful to see him do that. And again, this is mid 90s where we don't necessarily have the medical knowledge and where how that we have now. Exactly. If they could have just told him, hey, why don't you just jump off one foot while you're running instead of coming to a dead ass stop and then jumping straight up? He would get. Literally as close to the basket as possible before he jumped to make a dunk. And it just looked painful to see his knees do that, like, constantly. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, remember and, and, the, uh, the uh, 2K days, I would use oh, Penny Hardaway all the time, and I would be dunking on everyone, no matter who it was. Um, just ridiculous athleticism. And, again, someone that, that size as a point guard. Um, being able to distribute and you know he kind of took over uh for a little bit when, when Shaq when Shaq left he did. um before before the the injuries and you could see how great of a player he was um yeah again that's it's crazy all these all these what us with the injuries just kind of seeing uh how good these players could have been and we left so many on the floor too. Um, that was easy, easily the easiest category in terms of coming up with names, maybe the hardest category to narrow it down, because we didn't even talk that much about like Jay Will or Bill Walton. We Jason briefly McGrady. mentioned 
my bias. What'd you say? Trey McGrady. So, Talk about another LeBron James-like figure from that absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so, Brandon Roy. We didn't even talk about Brandon exactly, Roy either. Exactly. So there, there are so many out there. Um, just kind of lost to the Socorro Aguilar. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows where <laughs> he could be right knees. now? Instead Those of here knees. with us, you know, he could be quarantined somewhere else because there's no basketball happening right now. So, moving on to our second category. So, from here on, that was like our probably our most vanilla category. From here on, I think it's probably going to get a little wild. So, with our first pick in the foreign category, oh, things are about to get real wild. We have Enrique. Oh, all right. So, my foreign what if was already spoiled, but uh, we'll say it again. Uh, Nikos Galis. Okay. So... Uh, his he is a FIBA Hall of Famer inducted in two thousand seven. He's from the Greek National Basketball League, uh, five time Greek League MVP, uh, and he was in the overall Basketball Hall of Fame inducted in two thousand seventeen. So ten years after his FIBA induction, uh, basically he's considered the Michael Jordan of Greek. He's whatever his nickname is, Greek God. Um, and basically he averaged 31 points per game, uh, won eight, uh, league titles, uh, was scoring champion 11 years in a row, uh, and, uh, is in a lot of hall of fames. Urban legend has it that he once dropped 50 on Michael Jordan. Wow. Uh, if Greek, if Greek God Galis makes it to the United States, he would bring the New Jersey Nets their first title in 2002. Uh, wow. That would have been wow. the hot, what if hot, moment. Hot, hot take. Hot, hot take. Crazy. Because the two teams, again, I went after him, the Celtics and the Nets. Okay. So, yeah. Very cool. We, we, you know, he told us that that was going to be his pick because we were trying to make sure that, you know, everybody would have something for all the categories. And he mentioned that was going to be his pick, and we were like, what? Who was that? So legend, Nikos Galis. Greek god. Greek god. That's a great nickname. Yeah. Very interesting. Wow. So what, I don't know if this came up in your research, what prevented him from really being in the NBA? Uh, if you come to the NBA, you can't you can't represent uh, your home nation in uh-huh. the Olympics at the time, and he said that's why he rejected the Celtics and the Nets. Oh, he, interesting. He, he wanted to keep playing and supporting Greece, so that was his reason why he stayed. It's uh, it says here he was born in New Jersey. <laughs> nice. But then he must have I, gone over. Yeah. Cool. I can't even find anything about this guy where are you finding this you're probably spelling it wrong nikos galis g-g-a-l-i-s oh nikos galis oh jeez i thought i mean i thought enrique was saying nico scalis oh that's uh you need to get your ears checked or something <laughs> <laughs> all right so i don't need to cross anything off my list personally <laughs> Uh, so that's good so right. while Tyler looks up the Nick, Nick the Greek 
Um, Anthony, you're second on the board for the foreign player category. Right. Good. Good thing I am second. Um, so, uh, kind of for the same, well, it was for the same reasons as uh, Nico, the Greek god, at least not coming over to the NBA. Um, my my player was actually drafted uh, by the Nets in wow. 1984. Wow. Um, but uh-huh. declined to play for them yeah. uh, because he wanted to play for his national teams. Again, this was before NBA players were allowed to play for their national teams. Um, so he declined the offer so that he could keep playing for his national team. Um, the person I'm talking about um, comes from Brazil, and it is um, Oscar Schmidt. Uh, yeah, Oscar Schmidt. Um, someone who um, unofficially, um, if we're going off of just uh, professional basketball, um, would be considered uh, the scoring champion because um, he scored uh, 49,737 career points. Um, this was from club and national team combined. Um, he is the, the FIBA World Cup all-time leader in points scored. Um, he has 906 career points scored. Um, he holds the record for most points uh, in the Olympics. Um, at a time, uh, you know, I think it was the eighty-eight, yeah, in the eighty-eight Olympics, um, he uh, averaged forty-two point three points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who, uh, even some NBA players, said that he could have been one of the greatest in the NBA if he had played there. Um, he was in the Brazilian Basketball Championship, um, and it was the league's top eight, uh, top scorer eight times. Um, they were all consecutive uh, from 96 to 2003. Um, someone who just, again, he, he never came over because he wanted to play for his national team. Um, he wanted to keep playing for his national team. Um, he played, I think, then up till he was like 38, I believe, is when he stopped playing for the national team. Um, and he was the old, oldest player to score 40 or more points. Um, he... <laughs> scored 45 points when he was 38 in the, in the Olympics. So he was just a, a bucket getter. He's just a walking bucket. Um, again, the all-time leader um, in Olympic history, um, highest average, most points in a series, most points in a game, um, and tied for the most appearances by a basketball player. Um, so again, he was also inducted into the FIBA Hall of Fame um, in 2010 and then into the National Basketball Hall of Fame in 2013. Um, someone who, again, just just never came over um, because of of him wanting to stay and play for the national team, uh, but someone who definitely could have transitioned and, and been a great player um, in the league. Um, so that's what I'm going with is uh, Oscar Schmidt. Um, yeah. yeah, he's a bucket getter. I remember he was uh, he was in the the celebrity all-star game a few years back and him still being kind of older but you could still tell that the dude could could ball and hoop so um that's who i went with yeah for sure um uh, was a big oscar schmidt fan 
growing up in Italy. Yeah. Um, he went to five Olympics, which is crazy. Yeah. Like you were saying, he's still getting buckets too, which is crazy. So Oscar Schmidt off the board, very cool. He's known as his nickname was the Holy Hand in his homeland. Yeah. Great player. Um, and won a FIBA World Cup, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or some kind of championship. So, very cool. Cool. Well, so shoot. I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to make a decision at this point and that some names would come off the board to make it easier for me. But that's not the case. So, I am going to have to make a decision. And while there are a couple of great names still out there, um, I'm actually going to go with a guy who did end up playing in the NBA for a little while and was actually still pretty good, but didn't make it into the NBA until after a litany of injuries and well after his prime. And that is Arvidas Sabonis, um, who yeah, maybe now is better known yeah. as the father of DeMontis Sabonis. But um, Arvidas Sabonis is seven foot three. And had a playing weight of like 290 or something like that, 280, um, an absolute monster. But the thing that set him apart was he could also shoot, like he had touch. Um, again, playing mostly in Europe, that, that's common amongst kind of the European leagues is big men had skill there for a long time. And he was, I mean, honestly, probably one of the best to ever walk, one of the best basketball players to ever walk the planet um, for a litany of reasons he never made it to the nba in his prime one of the biggest of course being that he represented the soviet union and if he lost his amateur status he would no longer be able to do that um but he did end up coming over starting in his age 30 season and played and was actually still really good but he'd already had i think he tore an acl already um he already had major injuries um and was definitely a shell of himself but he is so ahead of his time um, that it's crazy. He was described by Bill Walton as a seven foot three Larry Bird. Um, that's because of his passing ability and his shooting range at his size. And again, honestly, if you've never seen highlights of Prime Avita Sabonis, check him out uh, because the things that Demontis Sabonis gets praised for now as he turns into a pretty good uh, NBA player. His dad was better than him at almost all of it. And one of the best post passers um, that have ever lived, I think. And um, just a guy similar to Yao Ming, like Enrique picked earlier, who for his size to have his touch and ability and skill is almost unfair. Because, again, he's not somebody who's um, afraid of contact or anything like that. Like, he was tough, and he was not only tall, but massive. But, oh, yeah, by the way, he can also step out and hit you with, like, a 20-footer 20, 20 or, or a turn fade over top of you. Um, so one of the biggest what-ifs in my mind in NBA history is what if Arvidas Sabonis could have come to the NBA when he was first drafted? By the Portland Trailblazers, again, um, in 1985. And 86, actually. So, Arvidas Sabonis, off the board. And so, Tyler, 
you're up and there's some really good names out there still yeah um, oh, there he is yeah uh uh so i am going with um uh Drazen Petrus. all right i figured yeah uh he's the dude that basically uh was the best shooter on the planet and he ended up playing i think three years in the no more than that but he really got going in for three years with the new jersey nets 90 92 90 91 91 92 92 93 and basically just like took over the league with the shooting and tragically died in a car crash uh, in 93 on June 7th. And they uh, put him in the Hall of Fame in 02. He was the EuroLeague basketball MVP in 89 on a on the Yugoslavian team who had a bunch of ballers on that team. Uh, Divac was on there. Tony Kukoc was on there. And he led that team to he led that team to the championship, and he was also the MVP of that whole tournament. Dude could just flat out shoot. Like, he was Curry before Curry. Like, it was crazy. I like that. That's a good comp, Curry before Curry. Dude would just walk up and drop a drop a three in your face, and there's nothing else anybody can do about it. It was, uh, it was like, if you if you haven't seen him, Go look at some highlights, and he was just doing things way before his time. Kind of a mix between, like, Curry, like you said. He had a little bit of Pistol Pete in him. Um, yeah. He was a super tough competitor. Um, yeah. He scored 112 points in a game one time um, on 66% shooting, by the way. Um, like you said, led the... Yugoslavian team back when it was Yugoslavia and then the Croatian team when it became Croatia to multiple accolades, including, I think, a European championship where they beat the Soviets, who were really tough to beat. Um, And in Europe is regarded as kind of, you know, the way that Michael Jordan was kind of regarded here. They regarded Petro the same way, almost Herculean, the way people talked about him. You know, you would hear rumors, they would say, like, you'd be like, Oh, did you hear the rumor about what Drazen did last last night or whatever? Um, kind of got drafted into a bad situation. Uh, but once he got traded to the Nets, like you said, he took off. Yep. And it would have been really interesting to see if he could have stuck around, how the NBA would have looked. Because the transition to being kind of the pace in space might have happened a little bit earlier. Possibly. And also, like, he, he shot... He never shot anything. I mean, his field goal percentage was fifty percent, and for a, a perimeter player, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. And he was shooting. He was shooting forty, almost forty five percent from three, on four shots a game, in ninety two, which is crazy. We'll go after people too. You know, there's that famous game yeah. where he went after Michael Jordan, and yep. so he definitely was a competitor, and it would have been. It's such a tragedy. It would have been 
cool from a basketball standpoint. I mean, obviously, the more important thing is that, you know, some two you people lost their lives because his girlfriend was in the car as well. But from a basketball standpoint also, it would have been really interesting to see because I think he could have been, like you said, almost Curry before Curry. Maybe not to the same degree, but somebody who revolutionized the game. Yep. Definitely. All right. So Socorro, coming off of an easy pick, you now have the last pick in the foreign category. And I'm curious to see where you go with this. Yeah, so... uh this is probably a category that I struggled with a little bit just because I, I wasn't quite sure within the context of, you know, missed out potential. Like, a, like I don't have a good Rolodex of foreign players that also fit within the context of this sort of discussion. So uh, the person I went with was one that I remember thinking about back, uh, man, this must have been right before college. Um, and so he's from China. His name is uh, Yi, and I'm sorry if I, I abuse the name, but Yi Jianlian. I think that's pretty um, close. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, he came over from China and was drafted sixth overall by the Bucks in 2007. Um, what was pretty cool about this guy is he was a seven-foot big man that played the power forward position, and he could shoot in a similar fashion uh, to Dirk Nowitzki. Some people kind of drew that uh, comparison to him. Um, he was also hailed by like Times Magazine in 2003 um, as like the next Yao Ming, and uh, it was like even in his first like few games starting, I think Yao even made a statement along the lines of, "If you look at how he's playing compared to how I was playing in those early stages of my career, the first you know few games, he's already you know outperforming me." So there was a little bit of hype that was generated around generated around this player, and he came out of the China China League. Um, having taken the Southern Tigers to three championship appearances and in his last season averaging 24.9 points uh, and 11.5 rebounds. So, yeah, uh, he, he came into the league and, and people had high expectations for the seven-foot big man to kind of be one of those guys that was lights out um, and able to take shots around the perimeter um, and just have those type of unblockable high arc shots. Um, he even came in when he started in the league and uh, started over Charlie Villanueva um, and he played fairly well his first few games uh, and even got uh, NBA Rookie of the Month in December. Um, but yeah, I, what derailed him and ultimately led to him not really you know, being able to tap into that potential he had was um, a series of injuries. And I think this is the most common story that we see with a lot of these players that end up not being able to really show what they've got based off you know, the, the initial things that they've accomplished um so yeah in april of 2008 he had a knee injury that and missed the rest of the season january 2009 broke his right hand his right hand's pinky um and in the 2010 season he missed 30 games due to injuries um there's a, quite a few of them there's a ligament sprain uh upper lip laceration sprained left ankle and so i think he was only in the season for or in the in the league for about six or so seasons um before you know ending his career but at first glance, people had a lot of hope around this player coming into the NBA and, and being a really influential player like Yao Ming. Yeah, and he gets a uh, really bad rap. Like, if you look up, like, biggest busts, he'll probably make the list. Just because of the circumstances surrounding his draft, there was the famous chair workout, um, which might, actually, might not have actually happened um, the way that it's been described. But the famous workout where he's working out against a chair and that's where the GMs fell in love with him, and they picked him so high as a result of that. Uh, and then, you know, once you get into the live game, people are like, these aren't, these aren't chairs and stuff like that. Um, 
being such a high draft pick, you know, it can be tough. But like you said, he did play better than I think people give him credit, especially in that 2009-2010 season before the injuries really started to derail him. Um, he was averaging 12 points and uh, seven rebounds with a block. Um, on top of that, um, in about 32 minutes, his per 36s, um, he's averaging double digits each one of his years, but he wasn't able to stay on the court for a couple of reasons. One, the injury, and two, he was one of those guys who is skinny, right? Seven foot, maybe 230, something like that. Um, kind of a liability. Um, could be a liability in terms of guarding the bigger guys. And another guy who, if he'd have come a little bit later, like if he was around in today's game, Obviously, the injuries played a big part, but he would have stuck a little bit better, I think, because he wouldn't have had to. It's not like you're drawing guys that you have to go down in the post with anymore. His his um, weakness would not have necessarily been as big an issue today because you're not having guys kind of bullying you um, quite much anymore, and he could stretch the floor a little bit. So I like that pick. You know, a lot of people deride him. Again, it has a lot to do with his the circumstances surrounding his now infamous draft. But a player who had a lot of talent, just it, it didn't work out. Yep, yep, I would agree. All right. Very cool. So two categories down. We're in for the long haul, I guess. I'm assuming that a couple are going to go a little bit faster because... Now we get to the fun ones. Now we get to the fun ones, yeah. So next is the wrong place, wrong time category. And with the <laughs> first pick, we have Anthony. <clears throat> yes. Um, so, um, I'm going to go with a player who actually had a decent career. Um, he also had um, a little bit of injury problems himself. Um, but I think that if he were in kind of the modern NBA, um, I think his career would have been a little bit better. Um, I'm going to be going with uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. Oh, cool. Um, someone who was a, a knockdown shooter, light up. He could, he could score with the best of them. Um, I think he holds like most of the college records. Um, just, I think I remember seeing something that he averaged over like 42 points a game in his yeah. last three seasons in the NCAA. Uh, I think he has most, uh, most of the records as far as scoring points per game, field goals made, um, most career 50 point games. Um, right. And this is all without the three point line. Um, so I think that if he were to be playing in today's NBA, um, his career um, could have been a lot better. Uh, it still was a was a was a really great career. Um, yes. But this was this was all without having that three point line, which would have created more opportunities. Um, not only that, but his kind of showmanship with his dribbling, um, kind of some of the the fancier shots it wasn't it was, was kind of looked down upon at times um because it wasn't seen as much around that time 
Um, so I feel like in today's NBA, uh, he would definitely have been um, one of the top players um, just because uh, he had all the, all the skills and tool sets that you see in today's NBA um, and was would, would have been able to, to kind of dominate and, and use those to his, to his advantage. For sure. Um, an all-time great. You know, one of one of my favorite memories, actually, and this is slightly off topic, but uh, when I was uh, learning how to play basketball, I remember watching a video that had him in it, and he was the guy teaching you how to make, you know, make a shot in, in basketball. Just going over the basics. Um, wow. This is an older version of him with the stash and all that, but just like even watching him in the video, shooting the ball and teaching you how to go through the motions and stuff like that. It was amazing to watch. What happened? You were taught by Pete Maravich. <laughs> well, I still have the bad knees. To end up with what we had. Okay. Yeah, great player. All-time great player. And I, I agree, though. It'll be interesting to see him in different eras, especially with that three-point line, like you said. Um, in college, you know, he pretty famously got to shoot all the time. Um, but sh- shoot or shoot. That's just how it is. Yeah. And in a league like today where... Uh, pace and space, you know, you get shots up. Um, I think it would have fit in real nice. So I'm up next, and I'm so stoked that I'm up next. So the category is wrong place, wrong time. And I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Mike, Michael, or Mike Ryan. Do you guys know who Mike Ryan is? No idea, Travis. Can you inform me who on who Mike Ryan is? I'm not even being facetious. Like, you guys know who Mike Ryan is? No, I don't. That's why I'm no. wondering. Mike I'm Ryan. Gonna, I'm going to learn some things. Yes. I'm going to take you back to the um, yesteryear of 2004. Um, yeah, 2004, November 19th. The place, the palace in Auburn Hills, Michigan. The event, Detroit Pistons versus Indiana Pacers. Now, those of you who are catching on probably recognize that there was a particularly special event that happened on this day, and that is the Malice in the Palace. Malice in the Palace. So I remember exactly where I was when I saw the Malice in the Palace go down because I was watching it on TV. I think I was actually watching a different game or sports center or something, and they cut into what was happening. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, And it still probably is the craziest thing I've ever seen happen in a basketball arena. Um, But to bring me back to my wrong place, wrong time. Mike Ryan. Those of you who know the clip. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Those of you who know the clip. (laughs) Probably remember this series of events. Ron Artest laying down on the scorer's table. A cup of beer hitting his belly, him getting up, and the cameraman not knowing what to do. Cut to a different shot. Ron Artest chasing down a guy with a face that's like a deer caught in headlights, right? And him tackling that guy and punching him, right? That gentleman is Mike Ryan. Now, why do I have wrong place, wrong time? Because that gentleman is not the fan who threw the cup of beer. So this is probably the biggest actual case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time in probably NBA history. 
maybe Rudy Tomjanovich getting punched mm. by Kermit Washington is a, is up there too. But this guy took the full force of Ron Artest for absolutely no reason. He had nothing to do with the whole situation. Um, so this is my wrong place, wrong time draft candidate here. The man, so if, if you're familiar with the video itself, the man who tries to hold Ron Artest back in blue is the guy who actually threw the beer. Mike Ryan has that look on his face because he's literally saying, it wasn't me, basically. Like, no, no, no. Um, but he got clocked for it anyway. So from what I gather, he and Ron Artest were able to settle out of court for an undisclosed amount. So I'm sure that all said and done, you know, he made out okay. But just for the legendary video of his face, and it makes so much more sense now when you know that it wasn't actually him. He had nothing to do with anything except just to get punched by Ron Artest that he makes that face. But if you're familiar with the video, the first person that Ron Artest punches and tackles in black, that's Mike Ryan. And he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I want to transition real quick to something else. Malice in the Palace took place November 19th, 2004. Which means it took place at the beginning of the 2004-2005 season. If I have to continue to hear Indiana Pacers fans bitch and moan about how they should have won a championship in 2005, but the Mouse of the Palace is the reason they didn't, get out of here with that. Like, you don't know. This happened in November. I mean, I've heard reputable sources say that they had the best team in the league. Based on what? The first couple of games in a talent pool? Uh, great. Awesome. How many times have we looked at teams at the beginning of the year? With a great right. talent pool and, and a hot streak. And at the end of the Checked. year, they're Checked, nowhere Tyler. to be fined. Sit back down. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm just trying to keep the conversation going. One of my biggest to... pet peeves when it comes to like sports is that type of thing. Where it's like, you know, we're talking about coulda, shoulda, woulda. But there are more um, valid coulda, shoulda, wouldas than others. So like 2002, Sacramento Kings. I'm sorry, Tyler, we have to bring it up again. But like... <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I was going to bring it up later. Good, good. That's like a legit coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? You have a real legitimate gripe. The New Orleans Saints not getting that penalty, right? If right. your team falls apart in November, I don't care how much talent you had. You don't get to claim we should have won that year. You don't. I'm sorry. Pacers fans, I'm sorry. Stop it. Okay. Just stop. We just lost, we just lost Indiana. Listen, Jermaine O'Neal is great. Ron Artest was great. Steven Jackson on that team was, you know, before he ran up into the stands, started punching people. Great. Like, they were a great team. But please don't try to sit up here and tell me that they definitely were going to beat the Pistons, the Celtics, the Spurs. Like, come on. It was November. This happens every year. We see a team that we're like, this is a great team, and they have a great record. They're going to win. And then later on, they don't. Matter of fact, Indiana, I'm sorry to do it to you. I, I've never been to Indiana. I want to go there because they are the basketball state. Like, they're the state that loves basketball the most. You had another team that had a bunch of talent and a great record. And guess what? They didn't do anything. So you of all people should know. Stop. All right, I've gotten that off my chest. I've been stewing on that for, like, years because I keep hearing people talk about it. And I'm like, that took place in November, dude. Like, you don't know how good that team was going to be. I'm glad that this forum was able to help you with that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really the whole point of this yeah. entire yeah. podcast series. Yep. Yep. So, so just to fuck Indiana people. I feel better. Anyway, good. 
Wrong place, wrong time. Mike Ryan, that poor fan, just getting clocked for no reason. <sighs> Meta World Peace. Up next, Tyler. Yeah. Swerve? Yeah, Tyler, you got wrong place, wrong oh, time. Sorry, sorry. The human swerve. Well, uh, I didn't know we could go into that realm. So then I could jump onto, like, uh, Mike, not Mike, uh, not Stan Van Gundy. Who's his brother? Jeff Van Gundy? Jeff, Jeff Van, Van Gundy. Gundy. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time at, at the bottom of that fight on the yeah. line, on Morning's foot. Absolutely. But uh, that's not who I'm going with. I'm going with more traditional because uh, I did not know we could go into that realm. So anyway, my player is uh, a player that could probably get like an $80 million contract nowadays that wow. every team would want because uh, he's basically... He's, he's like the perfect stretch five. And that is uh, Mehmet Okur. Wow. $80 million dollars for Mehmet Okur. He would. Listen, how much did Clint Capella make? Yeah, exactly. And he can't Swerve. even shoot. Anything's possible. Mehmet Okur could shoot his ass off. Uh, he's basically every, every team's dream stretch five. He... He could get rebounds. He could play defense. Uh, he probably couldn't switch, obviously. But he's exactly who they want to space the floor. Uh, he never shot more than four threes in a season. Uh, but he I'm assuming a, you mean per game. Per game, yeah. yeah. He never shot more than, <laughs> more than four threes per game in a season. But he was always around 40. Uh, 38, 38, 44 right here. And nowadays, he'd just be jacking like eight threes a game. Seeing if he, uh, probably, if he got 38, it bumped his average up another six, seven points. He'd be scoring 20 points a game. Uh, and he made an all-star game. He did? You're he right. He did make an all-star game. And he was also on the 2003-2004 Pistons, so he is a NBA champion. He is a hashtag NBA champion. Um, Mehmet Okor is also a legendary 2K12-ish yes. era value player for association. Oh, yeah. Stretch that floor, folks. Yep. So Can't go wrong. Yep. Cool. All right. Swerve Man coming to... Swerve? I was at a Swerve, though. Swerve? I, I don't Swerve. think anybody here was thinking about Mehmet Okor. Yeah, no. Okay. Not I don't think I've thought about Meta Core well, since two thousand since two K twelve. To be perfectly honest, I've been listening to Bill Simmons, mm. um, his uh, redraftables podcast that he's doing now. And, yeah, uh, Meta Core, he keeps doing like uh, wrong place, wrong time, basically, on each of these players. And Meta Core was definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. He definitely got paid. That's for sure. He did. That's for sure. He would have gotten paid. Cool. Wow. Wrong place, wrong time. Lament Okur. Tyler bringing the swerves once again. So next we have Socorro with wrong place, wrong time. I'm so curious to see where you go with this. Yeah, so um, I was actually kind of worried that I wouldn't be able to come up with a good player for this category. Um, and just by happen chance, I, I, I was able to like figure it out. Um, and so the player that I want to go with for wrong place, wrong time is actually going to be Charles Barkley. 
Wow. So uh, I'm saying this as as mm. if it, it almost sounds as if like this was, you know, a player who didn't meet his potential in the like where he played, like in the time period he played, which isn't true. He was a very dominant power forward slash small forward when he played. Um, so just a little bit about Charles Barkley. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a you know, registered at six foot six inch uh, power forward, although he was probably closer to six, four, six, five. Um, played during the era of big men at the four and five. Um, and I would say that today he, he has a skill set that today would be invaluable to a lot of teams being able to be a smaller size power forward that is able to be as athletic as he is um, and is as tenacious as he is. Um, and one of the struggles that he faced back in his career was that he was never able to win a championship. Um, his team often struggled in the playoffs. The closest that he's ever gotten to an NBA championship was in the 93 finals when the Suns lost to the Bulls. Um, and just to look at you know some of his accolades, he averaged 22.1 points per game uh, over the course of his season, 11.7 rebounds per game, and 3.9 assists per game. Um, and he averaged a double-double every season except for the first. Um, hell, he had an effective field goal percentage of 55.8%. He's an 11 times NBA All-Star and won the MVP award in 1993. He's also the shortest, was the shortest player to earn a rebounding title. Uh, which was recently passed by Russell Westbrook in 2017. So I just think that though he was still a very strong, legendary player during that time frame, take him uh, take him out of that scene and put him in today's NBA where it's much more fast-paced and everyone's moving towards smaller big men. And I think that with his athleticism, he would dominate because he was already so strong for his size that he was able to to deal with these fours and fives and he already had the speed. So put him into today's NBA with that type of tenacious attitude and strength, and I think he would he would be even more dominant. And my argument here is that you know put him on the right team in today's NBA, and he's he's getting himself a championship or two. Yeah, I mean he's put him in the NBA today. He's the second best player in the league. Well, actually, he might be the best player in the league in terms of right now. Um, you know, if you guys want, if if younger listeners again want to know how impactful Charles Barkley could be in terms of today's game. The hype around Zion Williams is what? Zion Williams. <laughs> the hype around Zion is what? The fact that he draws comps to Charles Barkley, right? So that's like his easiest comp is that he's just like Charles Barkley. Sometimes people make the comp for like the wrong reasons because they're both a little, a little chubby. Um, but yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Charles Barkley falls prey to wrong place, wrong time that a lot of players do. Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Clyde Drexler, um, any of those guys, they just played during the Jordan era. And that honestly was their biggest downfall, was the fact that they had to play in the same era as Michael Jordan. Because otherwise, Charles Barkley in almost any other era, like you said, Socorro, put him on the right team, and he's winning a championship. And probably a finals MVP and would probably be considered one of the 10 greatest players of all time. Um, so I like that pick. Even though he's one of the 15 to 17 greatest players of all time right now already. Wrong place, wrong time. Because he could, he had the potential to be in that top 10 amongst the, the vaunted, vaunted superstars. Right up there, Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I think context matters. I think when you're looking at a player, uh, the lens that you're looking through is going to matter. And so when you see him around other players such as Michael Jordan, 
um, you know, your attention is, is, is elsewhere. But when you put him in today's league and you see what he can do, all of a sudden, you know, your perception shifts. And so, yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing agree. is, Jordan was clearly the best player in the league. Charles Barkley was clearly the second best player in the league. It's just unfortunate that he was never able to really come out of that shadow. Uh, so, I, I think people forget how good Charles Barkley actually was. So, good pick. Very cool. So, finally, with wrong place, wrong time, we got Enrique. All right. So, Scorer stole my pick. Just wanted to put that out there. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my number one. Um, number two on the list. Also, a player that, uh, wrong place, wrong time, in the Jordan era. Um, incredible NBA talent that, if played in this new era of three-point basketball, would be one of the, he's already one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time, but uh, could he have gotten more? Uh, uh, 18 years with the Indiana Pacers, Mr. Reggie Miller. Very nice. Uh, Mighty Mouth uh, lost three game sevens to three different teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, The epitome of uh, wrong place, wrong time. Ultimately, ultimate wrong place, wrong time, playing against the Los Angeles Lakers and that uh, Shaq-Kobe duo. It was the only time the Pacers had ever made it uh, to the Finals, and uh, they got got rocked. But – Again, a uh, three-point <laughs> legend. Uh, if he had played in our area era with the Stephs and Clay Thompsons of the world, Reggie Miller could have done some things, some more things. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another guy who's you know legend, legendary player, one of the fifty greatest players of all time, no doubt. But you're right; had to play during the Jordan era, and the Pacers and the Bulls had some pretty good series. But at the end of the day, one team has Number 23, the other does not. Um, and so it's just kind of a shame because another guy who kind of gets dismissed sometimes, like you said, um, because of a lack of success, right? Now, it's tough to lose three game sevens. You kind of carry that with you, right? Um, but again, wrong place, wrong time in terms of playing in the Jordan era. And you're right. It would be so interesting to see Reggie Miller play in today's game because a lot of people consider Reggie Miller the greatest three-point shooter of all time before uh, Steph Ray and, and Ray Allen showed up right so yep. it'd be really interesting to see what he could do especially since he's a guy who he's the primary scorer on his team remember a lot of great shooters in the 90s were secondary scorers he was a guy who was a primary scorer who was also a long distance shooter he also would have done very well in today's flop era Oh, he would have uh-huh. killed it. Because <laughs> he's great. Oh, man, that James Harden, kick your legs out, fall down, Russell Westbrook thing, he would have been next level with that stuff. Um, so, absolutely great here's, pick. Here's the thing about Reggie Miller. is like, he, I don't think he was ever, I'm not, he's not on the Barkley, Jordan, even like the top guys tier. But in big games, he played like that. He would always he 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 brought himself up to that. Yeah. Considering he didn't have like he he wasn't the ball handler, you know. Right. He he couldn't break somebody down and make a three three dribble. He couldn't drive really. 
considering he could basically only shoot and he can't he couldn't he wasn't a great defender either. But I mean, in big games Go ahead. Sorry. I, he had those skills, but the thing is he no, was ahead. most effective shooting the three, right? Yeah. Three point master. Well yeah, so. considering like Jordan Barkley could take you off the dribble and right. take you to the rack, but they could right. also pull up and shoot. Reggie didn't have that. Reggie couldn't take you off the dribble. Right. So they knew he was going to shoot all the time. Yeah, he still got his shot off. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is that he, um, like you're saying, the other team knew exactly what he wanted to do. Yep. So, you know, the, the fact that he's still, and he is, here's a guy. There we go. Here's a guy. Name drop. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. There he is. Um, that needed an inch of daylight to get his shot off. Yep. And will just drop buckets right in everybody's faces. I mean, he's cold-blooded, for sure. Yeah. He hit a lot, a lot of clutch shots. Yep. He, uh, any Knicks fans out there probably yep. do not like Reggie Miller. Hey, Reggie Miller versus the Knicks. Yep. It's a pretty good documentary. The Nick yeah, Killer. now it's uh, Spike Lee versus Dolan. Not a good documentary. <laughs> Dolan is actually it's going to be called Dolan versus everybody. Dolan versus the world. <laughs> Dolan versus the fans in the crowd. Very cool. All right. So just so that our listeners, you know, so it just doesn't become like a uh, an odyssey for them. Um, we'll go ahead and roll on to the next category here. So our next category to remind people is kind of what if scenarios that are related to trades and free agency and stuff like that. And the really, well, the only kind of rule and i put rule in air quotes i know nobody can see me is that it has to be somewhat valid but all i mean by that is like you're not just making something up right like lebron james to the kings or something right exactly like that would never yeah. happen yeah hey yeah. you know what yeah. you know what why wouldn't it <laughs> like it would be super good it's super good super good like like branding that's like, true. why would he go to the king the king but obviously that's a joke but what I mean ah. by that is, it can't be, you know, the Knicks had cap space to sign two max contracts. So, therefore, the rumor is this. No, they had to have actually been linked to the teams in some way or another. And wouldn't you know it, I have the very first pick in this category. Wouldn't you know wow. it. Wow. Wouldn't you know it. And my what if scenarios, is, we're going to go ahead and travel back to that 1984 draft. We've already talked about oh. three people from, four people from that draft. Um, Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie. Um, Oscar Schmidt and Charles Barkley. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up another one, right? So obviously the big what if for a lot of people in 84 is what if the Portland Trailblazers selected Michael Jordan instead of Sam Bowie? Or what if, you know, Michael Jordan goes first? But I'm not going to go that route. Instead, I'm going to go with what if the Houston Rockets formed maybe one of the best super teams, if not the best super team of all time. So in his book, um, Live in the Dream, Hakeem Olajuwon said that there was a proposed trade. I think the Portland Trailblazers proposed the trade to the Houston Rockets that they would send their most recent draft pick, Clyde Drexler, and the number two pick in the 1984 draft to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Ralph Sampson, who was the star, young, I think he, I think he won Rookie of the Year the year before, um, Young center for the Houston Rockets. 
And yeah. it was reported that the Rockets, after Hakeem, liked Jordan the best. So my what-if scenario is, what if, in 1984, the Portland Trailblazers trade the second overall pick and Clyde Drexler to the Rockets for Ralph Sampson and select in that draft both Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan and then go into that season with a roster consisting of Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and Michael Jordan. There are some fit concerns in terms of having – because like – I think that Michael Jordan could easily have played with a player like Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, but playing alongside somebody like Clyde Drexler, both kind of need the ball in their hands to be effective. Like Clyde Drexler is known as a scoring machine because he gets shots up. Michael Jordan gets his shots up, right? I mean, he's the reason why the Blazers didn't take Jordan. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They didn't take him because the, they were like, we don't need another, sh- we don't need another score. We needed a big man, right? Um, yeah. But talent, we've seen it in the NBA. Typically, talent tends to win out. Right. So even if teams first have a hard time figuring out, um, you can think of the Miami Heat. Right. I heard something the other day. I don't remember who said it. I don't know. I I basically blanked it out, but they're basically trying to claim that Chris Bosh was not like a great player. But that's some revisionist history because what ended up happening for that team is Chris Bosh and LeBron James joined a team with Dwayne Wade. All three were great players in their own right who were leaders of their own team who needed the ball in their hands. Chris Bosh took the back seat, right? So that would have happened. It would have... Oh, I I don't know. Somebody, I remember somebody the other day saying something like they were trying to come up with like big threes and I don't know. They they had Ray Allen above Chris Bosh or something. Was it on Lowe's podcast? Because I think I heard... I don't know. It might have been and it made me lose my mind. Um... But I think Clyde Drexler probably would have taken the back seat because it would have been clear in practice that Jordan was the better player. Um, but could you imagine a Houston Rockets team that had Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, and Clyde Drexler? I mean, think about defensively. Jordan and Hakeem on the same team. It, they would have been... Like, we probably would have seen some margin of victory records coming from that team, for sure. Definitely. So that's my big what if. Wow. Now I I want to I want to take that what if and I want to raise it and and propose this question. Oh, gonna, gonna raise this question. What what do you do you think that team would have gone on to win more than six championships? Score. That's a great question. That is tough. I do well, think that back, they would have won. So remember, I I believe the Houston Rockets made the finals in nineteen. I want to say eighty seven. Um, they made the finals quick with Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, if you have all that talent on that team, then... Um, 86. They made it in 86. 86. Okay, so two years later, Bad right? Check. They would have... I think they probably would have... Now, 86 is a tough one because they lost to another all-time great team um, in Boston. But... Here's something, though. They would be in the Western Conference. Back then, the East was way tougher. That's why Jordan had to go through the Celtics and the Hawks and the and the Pistons and stuff like that. The Western Conference, all they would have had to do was beat probably, what, the Sonics and the Lakers? Oh, absolutely. I think they would have made – I mean, the Lakers, yeah. Absolutely, I think they would have made the, the finals. But uh, whether or not they would have won that year would be interesting. However, 
if you're looking at beating teams like the Pistons and the early 90s Lakers and stuff, I don't see any way that any team could stop a combination of Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, let alone throwing in Clyde Drexler in that mix, you know, assuming they could have figured out the chemistry. Yeah. I mean, it I really... Think that's the, sorry, I think that's the... I think that would have been the biggest thing. Obviously, yeah. you have that talent there. Um, the way that they could have meshed with each other would have been interesting to see. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like you said, one of them definitely would have had to take the back seat. I definitely don't think Jordan would have been that that player. Um, I could see Hakeem kind of taking on a little bit of a, a smaller role or even even Clyde, but it would have been interesting to see how they, they mesh. But undoubtedly, that, that talent that you guys that, – that would be on that team is is crazy. I mean, um, I feel like definitely at least one championship. I mean, I, I for sure think that they would be, be multiple champions. Um, it would be tough to say. Um, if they could get that six championships, like like Jordan had with the with the Bulls, um, right? Just to get just again because we had no uh, point of reference to kind of see how they would be working together. Um, that that Bulls team that he was with just meshed together so so well, right? Um, which is one of the bigger reasons why they're able to do that. Um, so it, it would have been interesting to see if they could have done that same type of chemistry or had that same type of um, right. chemistry with those three. And another reason the Bulls chemistry worked is because it basically was either you recognize Jordan is the alpha or you're not on this team anymore. Right. But if you have talents like, and so when Pippen came in, he came in young and that basically got molded into that, that ideal. Um, it'd be tough to take a, like the number one overall pick and a player like Hakeem and a guy in Clyde who already established himself as a good young player and told them that. And obviously they played on the Dream Team, but they weren't... The Dream Team wasn't... The there was no... Was... Yeah, there was no challenge. There was no threat. No, yeah. and they were just having fun. They and they were just having fun. Yeah, yeah. It was so, basically like a, an extended All-Star game. It was, yeah. So anyway, I, I do want to roll, because again, I don't want our listeners to... I mean, I guess they could turn it off, but we don't want that. Don't turn it off. <laughs> but also there's Bless burritos. Me. There's also burritos waiting for me. So that's the oh. main thing. So, uh, Tyler, you actually get the second what if, and I think I okay. wonder if I know where you're going with this. Uh, probably, probably not. Oh, okay. Not. Oh, no, that's that's later. That's later, okay. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, this is, uh, I mean, this isn't the biggest one in the world. This isn't, you know, James Harden or whatever. But what if, uh, what if the Toronto Raptors in the late 90s Figured out how to keep T Mac and Vince Carter on the same team. That's a good one. Like, both of those dudes got ran out of that city. Not, well, not ran out, but both those dudes wanted out of that city. I mean, VC ran out of that years. city for sure. Yeah. I don't know if he got ran out, but okay. They both wanted out within five years. Yeah. You know, it's like, but both of those dudes could have been, they could have taken over the league. If they could have just got like a, a, a serviceable point guard that could just throw, they could have been Dunk City, the first Dunk City. Oh, I mean. Lob City, I mean. Lob City? Lob City. They could have been the first Lob City. Yeah, absolutely. And if T-Mac turns into, it, it, that's the thing too. T-Mac wanted his own team because he was the alpha. And right. Vince came in. And Vince came in two years after T-Mac and took over. And T-Mac didn't like that, even though they're cousins, you know. 
So if they could have just figured out how to mesh and Toronto could have kept them happy, I think that team could have been really good for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And then T-Mac wouldn't have wasted his prime on the Magic with nobody around him, just putting up 30 points a game and having nobody else there. Right. And Vince Vince went to the finals. Vince had a weird career. Vince did have a weird career. Especially the way it ended. Like, I name me a person that could, you know, came in as, like, one of the most hyped players ever, won that 2000 championship, I mean, won that 2000 dunk contest with the hypest dunks ever, and then went, went to the championship, or got traded to the Nets and went to the championship with them. And then, oh, wait, did he? Am I, am I tripping out? I think. <laughs> did you just confuse uh, yourself? I might have confused myself. Didn't he come after they went to the finals? Yeah, I think you're tripping. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, he still got traded. Fact check. Sorry. He still got traded. Fact check. To, uh, to the Nets, who were coming off of a championship then, or uh, 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 a finals appearance then. They fall off. And then he turns into, like, the sharpshooting three-point shooter for the rest of his career. And he... He's been going for 20 years, and then he ends with the, 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 the hiatus. That's a weird-ass career. It's a weird career. I will say that to think that Vince Carter would be playing until he's 43, I never would have guessed it. No. Because beginning of his career, his whole thing was his explo- explosive ability, Yep. which obviously you lose. So to retool himself, not only as like a, a, a serviceable role player, but also as a leader in the locker room. That's really what's kept him around is really interesting, given the fact that, you know, a lot of people in Toronto who are listening to this because we got a worldwide audience, um, yep. they will tell you he quit on our team. Oh, definitely. They, he quit and he, he's not a leader, but he was able to learn from that. Go to a couple places, get a little bit of really good, you know. Um, got to play with Jason Kidd. Yeah, Dirk. yeah, yeah. Get really good mentorship and become a true leader. But and, I like that. Another thing is like if if they figure it out, T Mac doesn't go to the Magic, which also I don't know if I'm stepping on anybody's toes, but then that uh, quote unquote first big three never even had a a chance to even happen, mm-hmm. and so it kind of like uh, and then T Mac doesn't go get to play with like Yao. Who knows if T Mac gets hurt enough? Because maybe Vince can. Uh, Instead of because I, I think I looked up T Mac's like uh his minutes per game. He played like thirty eight to forty minutes a game, which is insane. And he wore down quick. Maybe if he stays with Vince, they don't have to he doesn't have to play forty minutes a game. And he doesn't wear down as quick and we get way more of T Mac than we actually got. T Mac was a beast. Oh, for sure. T-Mac is another guy who's going to get lost to time, I fear. I hope, he, I hope he gets put up against Kobe all the time because him and Kobe would have ran the league if he didn't get hurt. It was a legitimate debate who yeah, was the better two guard. Now, I think we can pretty comfortably say now that it's Kobe, right? Even yeah. if T-Mac was healthy, I think that Kobe still would have borne out to be the better player. But the fact that it was a debate tells you kind of a lot that you need to know about how good Tracy McGrady uh, actually was. Yep. And who knows, if, if T-Mac and Yao don't get hurt in those rocket years, T-Mac might 
could have uh, those two could have dominated and could have maybe won a couple places yeah. higher, you know. For sure. Cool. Yep, All right. Uh, Enrique, what if? Uh, isn't it Socorro? <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Well, no, I'm ready, but <laughs> no, I don't skip Socorro. Enrique, you picked first in. Yeah, you picked first, second. It's you. No, Socorro no. picked injury. What if? Yeah, then you were. So then you. Right, so then everybody gets bumped down one. All right. All right. I'm, I think I'm, I have I'm, a two I'm, and a three left. All right. Apparently, uh, he just really wants Sakura to go first. So. Oh, sorry. Um, it is Sakura. I'm sorry. It is Sakura. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping track. Bro. I accidentally crossed nice. Sakura out on accident. Sorry. Oh, oh Sakura, you just leave my, the podcast now? My, my opinion doesn't matter. Enrique is the one that already has the Excel spreadsheet. Right. He knows exactly, what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sorry, going sorry, Sakura. You're up. All right. Well, seeing how this will probably be the last podcast episode I'm on, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> based off Travis's, uh, we're slowly yeah. bumping you out. Yep. Yep. He's a he's a he's a DNP coach's decision. Yep. DNP coach's decision. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. For for this category, I'm going to go with uh, with someone we've already talked about, or at least uh, adjacently we've talked about. Um, the what if I want to pose here is what if Shaq had stayed with the Magic instead of moving to LA. Oh, no. Hey-o. Yeah. And wow. so, I mean, the, the reason for this was obviously there was this whole situation with compensation. He wanted to get paid more. And, you know, the Lakers gave him a really good offer. And it just, um, I, I don't remember if they actually ever matched it, but they definitely, it was, it was a long wait that he was going through with the Magic. And he just was tired of dealing with them. Um, the other thing is that um, in an interview, he did admit to saying that it wasn't the entire reason why he left. A part of it was because of, the opportunities in LA, such as movies and music and stuff like that, that he wanted to pursue. Um, I'm sure everybody remembers Shazam. Uh, Kazam. Or Kazam, Kazam yeah. Shazam. Oscar winning. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, Shaq has said that he wished he would have stayed. Um, you know, when accepting awards, I think he was inducted in their Hall of Fame and, and, and he, he confessed to wishing he had stayed. Uh, Penny Hardaway thinks that they would have won titles had he stayed. Um, their roster would have been something along the lines of Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, Horace Grant, Dennis Scott, and O'Neal. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that they, they've got a couple of championships in them potentially if he had stayed. Um, you know, we everybody knows who Shaq is, so I'm not going to really go over any accomplishments or stats. But um, And then on top of that, uh, the other thing, there's you know, there's a ripple effect here, right? And I can only take the ripple effect so far, but the real immediate thing that comes to mind is that not only does he stay with Magic and potentially win two championships, but does this also take away the championships that Kobe won with Shaq? And so in my opinion, I think it would have because I think it's it's fair to say that Shaq played a very strong role, pivotal role in uh, those first three championships. And so uh, not to say that Kobe would not have won player. any of them, but yes, I think it would have been much more difficult. Um, and I think it's much more unlikely that Kobe would have won all three of those championships. He wouldn't have won so I don't know. I call it. I, yeah. Well, I was going to be nice and say he doesn't get two. But yeah, he probably doesn't win any of them. He doesn't win Definitely. any of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tim Duncan was better. The only reason, the only reason the Lakers beat. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. No, you, 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 were about, you were about to start going on. 
But the only reason that the Lakers could beat the Spurs was because of Shaq. Because there would be nobody that could guard Tim Duncan. And Duncan Damn right. Duncan would have killed <laughs> the Lakers. Yeah, Shaq. I mean, Duncan... Shaq definitely was the easiest player on that. Uh, Shaq was definitely the easiest player. On, I'm sorry, the best player on that. Um, like, wow, you don't know him. The easiest player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, would, I would bet that Rick Fox is probably but, pretty easy. Yeah, Shaq was definitely <laughs> the best player on that that team, that run that they had. Um, also, right, they had they had made the finals when he was in Orlando. Yes, um, they were just a little bit inexperienced, a little young at the time. Um, but definitely, if they stayed, they could mo- more than likely it would have won at least one championship. Um, just sure. them being being a little young at the time and and not having that experience and kind of going up against that veteran uh, Rockets team and and Hakeem um, and all that stuff. Uh, I think that they would have would have easily been able to win at least one championship if he had stayed. Um, they were so fun to to watch even just the highlights. I mean, I wasn't really watching that at that time. I was still pretty young, but I mean, looking at the highlights and watching when they have like the replays of the games and just seeing how fun and, and, and great that team was. And if they had stayed together, like what could have been is, is pretty, uh, pretty crazy if he had stayed. I mean, in the, now, talent, in the talent vacuum after Jordan retires in 98, I mean, if they stay together, they're the team to beat in the East. And I think realistically, that's the lockout shortened season, and then 2000. If Shaq stays, I think they could win both of those championships. You know? So now I my 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 so that that sort of uh, adjacent question I have then, and we don't have to take too long on this, so that way we can kind of push through a lot of the other things we're trying to get to. But where does that leave Kobe in terms of championships? In terms of like you know how how he's regarded. Well, it'd be yeah, interesting definitely... to see what his development looks like without Shaquille O'Neal there, because part of the thing with Kobe is that he came out of high school and he had that that winner's mentality for sure. Brilliant player, um, brilliant person, but things are different when you are the face of the franchise coming out of high school. But once Shaq showed up, he didn't have to be that, right? He could be the second fiddle for a while. Now, obviously, that started to create some tension um, later on when they kind of became 1A and 1B. But it, it's tough to say about his development because it, it's impossible to tell if, who knows, maybe the pressure of being the face of the Los Angeles Lakers as a 19-year-old might have been too much for him. Right. Not only that, but also him having that winner's mentality. Like, Would he have wanted to stay through those right. years? Um, right, because there was that there was that point in time where he was talking about leaving um, because he felt like he didn't have the help that he needed in order to to win. So not having Shaq during those early years, right, would he want to even stay um, as long as he did as as a Laker? And who knows? You know, the Lakers are um, probably the most storied franchise in NBA history, and they have. Unlimited pockets, right? Um, so they might have attracted somebody else, but it definitely would have changed changed the course of history for Kobe not to have Shaq. Well, remember in in the early two thousands after Shaq left and the Lakers were getting bounced in the second round constantly, he almost left. 
Yeah, he went to he almost went so, to Chicago. So if 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 you know they're they don't do anything those first you know that's he was drafted in ninety six. Mm-hmm. That's his first like seven years. If they don't do anything in those first seven years, he might have bounced right then. For sure. So big what if. I like that one. Very cool. All right. So now it's now we got Enrique. Enrique. Uh, is it my turn? It's your turn now. Wow. Anthony, you're up. I think it's oh. Poro's turn. Perfect. All right. So no excuse. All right. So this tr- this what if scenario is a big one. This one, um, this one chases. This one changes the face of the NBA from 1995 and onward. If it wow. had happened, uh-huh. um, wow. so, I was say like that's a that's a spicy take. Let's see where this goes. I thought you could say something like James Naismith <laughs> finds makes uh, it a hexagon ball potato crate or something instead of a peach <laughs> basket. <laughs> so in 1993, the Chicago Bulls had just won their third championship. And. Oh, wow. A famous person, Mr. Michael Jordan, shocked the world when he said he was going to retire and take on baseball as his second career. Well, on draft night in 1994, Mr. Scottie Pippen was involved in a trade rumor. That had yes. him being sent to the Sonics in exchange for superstar power forward Sean Kemp yep. and two-time six-man of the year Ricky Pierce. So what if in 1994 on that draft night, Scottie Pippen gets traded to the Seattle Supersonics for Sean Kemp? Um, Jay Adonde Donny, is uh, famous <laughs> for uh, being quoted as saying, Jordan would not have come back to yep. the NBA if Scottie Pippen had been traded that night and would have forever changed the face of basketball. Um, Scottie would have gone on to play uh, in the Super in play for the Supersonics with Mr. Gary Payton, and the two would have formed one of the best defensive duos in league history. That would be gnarly. Uh, and Scottie Pippen wins two championships with Gary Payton. Wow, spicy. The other interesting thing about Scottie Pippen and Gary Payton is obviously Gary Payton and Sean Kemp put together one of the best offensive backcourt. Uh, well, I guess not necessarily backcourts, but one of the best offensive um, Duos. tandems out there. Pip would probably have been able to fill the Sean Kemp role very well. He was a big, strong, super athletic guy. Now, at that point, injuries had started to catch up to him a little bit. But he's still very spry at this point. He obviously would famously go on to lead the Bulls back to the playoffs in a lot of success. And they would famously not go in for the final play because it wasn't drawn up for him, um, which kind of tarnished his reputation. But, you know, uh, Jordan haters like to point out that Jordan didn't win without Pippen. And that's true. Um, But I think people forget. And, And, you know, Jordan lovers will... Um, try to downplay it, but there's a nice little middle ground there. Scottie Pippen was one of, if not the best, second banana uh, in NBA history, and would have fit very nicely on that Seattle Supersonics. And I, I agree with J.A. Adande that I don't know if Jordan would have come back if Scottie were not there. 
because he was famously very loyal to Scottie Pippen. Um, they had threatened, for some reason, the Bulls front office did not like Scottie Pippen. Um, they never paid him. They never paid him. Um, they all, he was always in trade rumors. Like, it's the craziest thing because you have a guy who's like vital to winning you championships. He's probably a top 15 player the entire time he's on the Bulls. Yeah, exactly. And he never gets more than like a, what, a $15 million contract. He was criminally underpaid the entire time. Yeah. And so Jordan all the time was going to the front office saying like, don't like, you need to keep Scotty here. And like, we need, otherwise I'm, I'm gone. Right. So that would have been really interesting. And Enrique, not to hijack your point too much either, but I do want to bring up that baseball thing a little bit. Unless this is Anthony's thing. Anthony, is your thing Michael Jordan playing baseball? No. Okay. So we'll talk about this for one second. Michael Jordan didn't necessarily come back to baseball. I'm sorry, back to basketball at the time he did just because he wanted to come back to basketball. Baseball had been, that's when baseball had a, a, a union disputes and lockout issues. And I believe that last season was the one that got shut down. If I'm 94. Yeah, correct. And so the reason that Jordan got pushed back so quickly is because he did not want to get involved in the middle of all that. I could very easily envision a world where if they are able to figure out that union dispute, number one, Tony Gwynn hits for 400. Um, Cause he was flirting. He was like 397 or something like that. Like, when the season, hey yeah. When the season was shut down. Um, and number two, Jordan stays to play baseball for at least a couple more years. I really could see that happening. He might not have come back to basketball at all. So there's you, a lot of conspiracy theories around him. That's true. That's true. Well, that's true. Like, but you, you want to talk he about had a crap load of gambling yep. problems. David Stern suspended him, of course. That's the but he didn't want to suspend the face of the NBA. So right. Says, Why don't you just retire for a year? Mm-hmm. And go play baseball, and then you can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's also a possibility. But I really think that it's tough to tell if Jordan was approaching things in just that Jordan way when it came to baseball. But a lot of people who you talk to who worked with him during his baseball career said that they saw a real passion and determination in him to play baseball. Um, it, that could just be his the way his brain works. It's possible, but I really do think, honestly, that if that labor dispute had not happened in the MLB, he probably would have played baseball for at least one more year. Because because he was improving um, pretty quickly. Now, obviously, you plateau. Baseball is one of those sports where you can have a great month and then never be heard from again. Yep. But, um, I mean, so is basketball. Ask Jeremy Lin. True. True. Ooh, that would be a good one on one of these. But, um, wow. very cool. Rico, I like it. What, uh, if, and what I, if fellow actually liked Jeremy Lin? Yes, exactly. But, uh, Enrique, great pick. All right. Nice. Anthony, final what if? Alrighty. Um, so for me, there's a couple. Um, that I had been looking at. Um, I honestly had thought that this one was going to be taken. Um, I had another one um, where I was looking at um, if Steve Nash had never had never left Dallas um, and they had that Steve and, and Dirk. 
uh, would have been interesting um, to see. Uh, but for me, uh, the one I'm going to go with um, is a very recent one, actually. Um, obviously, if James Harden never got traded and Oklahoma City had kept all three of these players together, uh, what, what could have been? Um, we talk about a team, obviously, the three of these players uh, that, that made up the core with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Um, the, the, the prominence that each one of them have gone to be um, since then, um, each one of them winning an MVP title, uh, right? So you think of those three players on the same team together, three MVPs. Um, you still had Serge Ibaka on the team um, uh, who wants to hit 12 of 12 from the field from the field when, you know, he's playing against some, some teams. Um, but thinking about these three players um, and just having that team together, right? So after they made it to uh, the finals, um, right? I, famously, Kevin Durant said that, you know, because they were talking about having the the Durant-LeBron uh, rivalry, um, having that magic bird type of thing, because um, that was what the scope of things looked like. You had this this up-and-coming Thunder team. You had the powerhouse of Miami Heat. Um, a lot of people thought that this was going to be um, kind of the same way that, that Cleveland and, and – and, um, Golden State were uh, having that that rivalry um, meeting in the finals um, each each and every year after that, um, right? Durant said that you know that he he didn't think that we'd have to make any major changes. Um, just kind of have to keep doing what they wanted to do, um, uh, and that they would be able to kind of build a dynasty um, from there. Uh, but right, Harden um, and the management didn't really. Um, see eye to eye as far as negotiations went. Um, he wanted to branch out and kind of do his own thing and be that star player that that he has become. Um, but thinking back, how great this team could have been, um, I, I think that honestly that this team could have won, could have been like the the, the Golden State Warriors, um, making all those all those finals. Um, I think they could have easily won three three finals um even even more than that i think that they could have um gone on to to beat you know if, if it was that same matchup with the, with the cavaliers if lebron had still left over there i mean they did they did have those four matchups i think that that okc could have won all four of them if they if they kept all of those all of those players together um again something that uh, okc fans are are still pretty sad about um, having having such a great team, um, just kind of seeing it diminish slowly from there. Um, would have would have uh, liked to see them have at least another another couple years uh, run at it. But I know it would have been tough with all the negotiations to keep them all together. But that's what I am going with. Well, here's the thing with that though, is that they just went to the finals. They lost. That next that summer they traded Harden. They didn't have yeah. to. They still had him for two more years. Yeah. And they didn't want to pay. Why not just run it back? Well, they didn't want to pay the luxury. They didn't want to pay. Yeah, they didn't want to pay the the. the that's uh, the whole reason because there's he, he would have had to take a little no, bit I know, of a. I know that's the whole reason, but it's like you have him. 
just just run it back. But you're right. right it's, one there. Of the, it's one of the biggest head scratchers in sports history. Yeah. Because you just went to the NBA Finals and everybody is that was the team of the decade. That was anointing the you for the decade. Yeah. Because remember, on the way to the finals, the so they played Spurs. pretty well in the finals. In the Western Conference Finals, they beat the Spurs in a six-game series that was kind of legendary because the Spurs hadn't lost a game in forever. And everybody's yeah. like, I don't know if this team's ever going to lose again. And they, the Spurs won the first two games of that series. And it was like, holy shit, Like the, this Spurs team is just going to go on to, to win everything. And the Thunder won the next four games, and they won the next four games like Handily. pretty definitively. Yeah. Right, where they were clearly the best team. No matter what the score says at the end, I'm a Spurs fan. I watched those games. Like you mentioned, Serge Ibaka went like 11 for 11 or 12 for 12 or something in one of those games. James Harden demolished us off the bench. Yeah. Yep. And we're sitting here thinking, they just did that to the Spurs, and then they took this Miami Heat super team, who, by the way, was super motivated that year because they just lost in the Mavs. Yeah. And really, you know, a foul or not a foul, in one game kind of changes the direction of the series. And after that series, they were the favorites to win the championship the next year. And everybody kind of was like, oh, it's going to be them in Miami for the next five years. Yep. But for some reason, they trade James Harden. And it's kind of frustrating, to be honest, because I feel like we've been robbed as basketball fans. In those four players with Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka. Why wouldn't you just trade Ibaka? Or like you said, just run it back. Eat the luxury. Oh, yeah. Hey, they want to pay. Yeah. Hey, Rest guess what? If you make money, I mean, if you win championships, you make more money. Yep. You get more recognition globally, and you have. You should go three... run an NBA team, guys. I'm down. Dude, Obviously. they have. They had three. Probably the probably the most popular players. Of the last 10 years, right? Yeah, absolutely. You could market that forever and make that luxury tax money back. Now, of course, one of them would have had to sacrifice, and that would have been James Harden. So he wouldn't have been the James Harden we know him now. But if he could have slotted himself into a Mono Ginobili type of role, there's really no telling how good that team would have been. He could even start. He could start. The problem, though, is that Russell Westbrook is really the problem. And I know that there's a lot of negative Westbrook stuff in the world right now. And I think Russell's a great player. But the slights against him are true. He's too ball dominant for Harden to have flourished the way that he did now. Now, obviously, that's funny to say because they're playing together now, right? But you had to have also factored in the fact that you have the best offensive player of a generation who's really the first option. So now you're asking Russell Westbrook to be the third option in his prime. And that would have been tricky. But I'm with you. Figure it out. Run it back. Talent wins out, like we talked about earlier. And also, I've listened to a few podcasts of, like, Lowe and, and Simmons talking, like, because, you know, they're more way more inside than us. There was a real, like, apparent debate on Westbrook versus Harden going forward. Who should they choose? I believe that. And they obviously chose Westbrook, which is a mistake. Uh, I, dude. Yeah, I mean, Harden's a, Harden's a better player, but Westbrook is probably better. Westbrook was better for that team at that time. Westbrook was the better partner for Kevin Durant at that time. 
at that time. Now, obviously, that turned into forcing Kevin Durant out. Exactly. You'll never convince me that there that that wasn't the reason that he left. But at that time, Westbrook was the guy because Westbrook, as frustrating as he must be to play with, when it really comes down to it, he has his teammates back, and yeah. he puts his heart on the line every single night. Whereas Harden, pretty famously, does not. Right. So, but why even but, make that decision in the first place? I know. I know. Just don't do it. Like, bring them all back. Pay the pay the damn luxury. It it looks yeah. extra dumb now because when the new um, TV deal went in, the cap jumped. Yeah. And now teams are worth billions of dollars. I mean, just think if they paid luxury tax for one year, that shit jumped up from, I think it was like ninety five million to one hundred and sixteen million in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. They it, wouldn't have even been paying the luxury tax in two thousand sixteen. Twenty twenty is. I mean, uh, what's what's it? What's it? Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, that's one of the biggest sports blunders in terms of management ever, and it will always I thought, be. I thought you were gonna say twenty twenty needs a reset. Cause I was gonna agree with you. Twenty twenty does need a reset. To be honest, <laughs> it's been really rough. Coronavirus. Not coronavirus. World War Three. Coronavirus. Kobe. We have to right now pick between Biden and Trump. I don't want to get too political, but. Yeah, this is, this is like go, that South Joe. Park episode. We're not, uh, there's no Olympics this year. Yeah. There's no sports right now. It's awful. And we don't know when the hell it's coming back. All right. Okay. We're getting there, guys. We have one category left. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us or, like, coming back to us a couple days later. They, look, they love our they love our voices. They, they don't want 30-minute uh, podcasts. I hope so. So our final category is kind of a... <laughs> Do whatever category. It's a wild card. It's a anybody, place, or thing, or team, or anything NBA related that you don't think reaches potential for whatever reason. So, number one, Tyler, you have the floor. I'm just going to shut up, and we're going to let you just go crazy. Okay. People that didn't, or things that didn't live up to their potential. I'm going to say the uh, 99 through 04 Kings for (laughs) obvious reasons. Why they didn't live up to their potential. Uh, uh, 27 free throws in a quarter. Didn't live up to their potential. Uh, but no, you know, 99 to probably 2000, 99 and 2000, they were they were up and coming. They were getting their cohesive cohesiveness down. And then in 2001, nobody was going to beat that Lakers team, but they damn sure gave them a run. And then... Everybody knows about the most rigged game of all time in 2002 Western Conference Finals. Uh, there's some PTSD stuff from there with Vladi tapping it back, and I'm just like, every time I see it, I'm just like, Vladi, no! And yep. if, uh, if Robert Ori hits that, if they if the Kings win that game, they're up three one. Yep. And they're going back to Sacramento for two games. So it's that's that's sad. But then game six, and I was watching, dude. I was watching like videos about it earlier, trying to do research for this, and it was just making my blood boil so hard. I mean, how do you foul somebody with your nose? I mean, Kobe's not here anymore. Let's ask him. We should ask him when he was. He how, has a big, how that guy has a big nose, bro. 
How did Bibi foul you with your nose, dude? With his Bibi nose? does have a big nose. He's got a big I mean, he's nose. He's got big he everything. Probably he probably hurt. He does. He does have big everything now. He's slow as hell. HGH I mean, been good to him. If 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 Bibi looked like this, I could see him fouling Kobe with his nose. But but I was watching some of the fouls that were called, and it was literally flop. Uh, uh, just Chris Webber got a clean block on Kobe in the last two minutes, and they called a foul, and it wasn't even close. He palmed the top of the ball because Kobe was uh, trying to do it up and under, and Chris palmed the top of the ball, and they called a foul on him. Yeah, but then the next year, Game I mean, seven. if the Kings, if the Kings, if the Kings win that series, they go on. They probably beat. Not probably, they do, because they were a way better team than the Nets that year. They win that championship, and you know when once teams win the championship, they have it in their blood, and they could rattle off another one or two. The next year, the Kings uh, came back. They were another top team in the league. And then in the first round, I think the first, second, or third game, Weber tears his ACL. And... Not only is he done for the series, done for the playoffs, then he's also pretty much done for the next season. And then after that, they were just never the same. They traded Weber to the Pistons. Uh, or no, they traded Weber to the Sixers. And Pilate was getting old. They traded Peja to the, the Pacers. Vladi was old. Just, yeah, Vladi was old. He was old uh, even during their run. Yeah. Well, he like, was 32. Vladi well, played know, with the Showtime Lakers. Yeah. But he was a young guy, though. He was. That's true. He, he was only 32, 33, I okay. think, during those, during the 2003, 2004 area. So he wasn't terribly old, but he was getting up there, definitely. But he was still, like, his best, Vladi's best thing is, with with a lot of European big men happened, was he was a great passer. And so he, he's the one that kept that team. He was the leader. Obviously, he wasn't the best player. That was Weber, but he kept that team. He was the glue guy, and uh, that team had so much potential, and it just never got there due to whatever reason. David Stern, Tim Donaghy, whatever, whatever you dick for, dick for fucking better. <sighs> okay, I'm I'm gonna step off my soapbox now. Yeah, we just wanted to step us. We just wanted to give you space and give dude, you air because we knew it was coming. I just want to let you then. We want to let you roll that. straight on that. After, after the Travis uh, uh, Indiana event, yeah. this is the only other reason that we actually created the podcast, just so that you could and, talk about And Tyler, so I'm I... with you. Um, they should have won that championship in 2002. I will, after everything I said about Indiana the first time, this is a legitimate gripe. The Kings well, should have won that championship in 2002. And from there, who knows what happens, like you said. Because remember, in 2003, uh, the Spurs won the championship. But that was basically because Tim Duncan is, you know, uh, a basketball god. But who knows if maybe a team that's a little bit more better put together, um, who just came off a championship, they might know how to handle the Spurs team where, you know, basically if you shut Tim down, you're in pretty good shape. Um, Wasn't that the first run where Tim was the dude? Because even in 99, Tim wasn't the dude. That was still... Oh, no. Tim was the dude. It was still thought of as David Robinson's team. But if you go back and look at those, it was Tim's team already. Pretty much from the second he stepped on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. But but, but, but I do see what you're saying. He still had David Robinson as backup. He still had somebody else that 
that was right. as good as him. Right. With the 2003 Spurs, it was like, this is Tim's team now. Yeah. He's by himself. He's burying this team. Young Tony Parker, young Manu Ginobili, young Emmanuel Ginobili, um, yeah. old David Robinson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and the other interesting thing about your point is if the Lakers don't win that third championship, what does their legacy look like? It's a pretty pretty damn good team, but it's not like yeah. they're the last team that that's had a three peat, you know? They're still they're still the team that has the last three peat. It's it's not like one of the best teams of all time, you know. Maybe it's like a yeah, they had a really good two year run there. Yeah. And so I mean that 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 Lakers squad in O two was they 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 called on that experience to, to even be in that position because Shaq was out of shape all year because of his yeah. throat surgery. Kobe had to really come through, but then when Shaq came back, it was a real power struggle because Kobe had been the dude all year. And so the one thing that I must say to protect the Lakers fans, so you're welcome, Enrique, is that it's easy for us to sit up here and say things like they should have won because I think they should have won. But you're right. Enrique mentioned earlier, there was a game seven and the Lakers really drew from their experience and champion, heart of the champion and, and were able to pull out the win, right? That's kind of what championship teams do, right? But so I'm going to, I'm going to battle back on that and say, how do you come back from that game six to play another game? That's dude. There was like, I'm looking, I was looking at replays and like, he, like Bibby's like sitting on the court every yeah, time there's a foul for sure. But that at that point, then the series had been lost. Whereas maybe if you're looking at a team of champions, True. that might not be the case. True. Right. True. So, but no, I, I love that. That's a, that's a great, what if we kind of knew it was coming from me. Yeah. And really we're all of the age where we remember that. Yeah. Like that would have been a, a huge difference. Sacramento Kings, yep. NBA champions, you know, that would be wild. And n- not only was that, but it would be from a team that didn't have like a dominant center. Like, because Shaq really forced a lot of teams to basically bulk up because yep. they're the only reason, that's the only way you could stop him. But the Kings basically let Vladi just get murdered down there constantly. Yeah. But they just passed around him. And yeah. that was kind of the prototype of like maybe what Popovich was doing later on, which was just motion and constant movement and. You know, Could. they played a different style of basketball than a lot of the other teams were doing because everybody wanted to copy the triangle and have a huge center in there. Could and be. they didn't have that. They were just, uh, it could have ushered in a, a, a faster-paced system way earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's cool. my soapbox. I'm stepping up. All right, perfect. So, in the interest of time, I know you can go on for that forever. Uh, yeah. But in the interest of time, next I have Socorro. Not is that right? Okay, that's right. Didn't I get second pick last time? No, you had no? third pick last time. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so yeah, the the one that uh, the one scenario I kind of want to pose is um, actually kind of coming off the back of our last podcast. We actually uh, I brought this particular thing up before, and this actually kind of rolls off nicely from what uh, Tyler's talking about because it's in the same era. Um, it's actually the immediate year after that. Uh, what if, what if, uh, the Detroit Pistons had selected any of the three people that came <laughs> after Darko Milicic? Um, and for me, what immediately comes to mind is somebody like Dwayne Wade. And I, I, I say that because 
you know, there's a, there's an immediate position that he can fill in the slot, and you have something that looks like Chauncey Billups, Dwayne Wade, um, and then Tayshawn Prince, you know, Rasheed Wallace, they Ben probably, Wallace. Sorry, they probably would play Rip Hamilton at the three. Oh, oh, yeah, sure, fair, fair, fair. But the point being is that like that's a that's a that's a strong team. It's a team that already won the championship that year, and now that they have a a star young star player. You know, I see them going off to win another, at least another championship, if not two or three more, um, you know, with, with a talent like uh, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, or Chris Bosh. Yeah, I mean, they made the finals that year. The next year, too, right? That's what I'm saying, yeah. So. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, they lost to San Antonio, and those games were pretty famously low scoring. Um, it was real it really favored San Antonio. I mean, I know the Pistons, that's how they did their thing too, but it really favored San Antonio because San Antonio not only had the defense, but they also had the players that they could say, okay, Manu, who was really coming into his own at this time, Tim, Tony, go get us a bucket. Um, the Pistons did not necessarily have those players and that's why they ultimately lost. So, hey, if you put a Dwayne Wade, say, hey, Dwayne, go get us a bucket. You know, rookie, it's tough to tell, but um, actually, his his Heat team was really good right off the bat. So, yep. I mean, the numbers that Dwayne Wade's putting up are something like sixteen points a game, four assists, yeah. uh, four rebounds, one point four steals. Rookie season, so he's he's doing just fine. But you talk about their rookie season, which is the season that they won already. Uh, right, but what I'm saying is like that exactly that's what I'm saying. So they already are a team that wins the championship that year, but then they still have young talent. So that pushing into that second, third, fourth year. Oh, yeah, definitely. The likelihood of them winning more championships is is much higher. I think I think the 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 the, the better fit would be Mello. The only Phillip. thing with Mello is I don't know if he would have committed to their defense defensive scheme. Yep. Well, look at look at look at look at Olympic Mello when he plays with all these great players. Yeah, but you don't You're necessarily play... have to play defense. Go ahead. They're not throwing him out there to play defense in those situations. Exactly, exactly. So like, but what I'm saying is, in the Olympics, because the talent gap is so huge, you get away with it. True. Whereas maybe that's not necessarily the case. Like, I agree that Wade would have been now. Melo probably would have been the pick anyway, because nobody like Wade. You know, uh, he was highly touted, but he wasn't Dwayne Wade, right? Right. But and it, it would have been better than Darko Milicic. Anybody would have been better than Darko Milicic. Oh, he's going to come for us. But. Um, uh. Yeah, that would be really interesting. That's a really good one. I like that. I like that. What if? Very cool. Because with all due respect to Rip Hamilton, he wasn't a bucket getter like Mello. Not like Mello. No, no really, anybody's a bucket getter like Mello. So, 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 okay. So then, they but, but see, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something to that though, because Rip Hamilton was famously good for moving without the ball and just getting into really good positions off the true. screen and then pop and shooting. Carmelo's a different breed, right? Carmelo oh. has to have the ball in his hand all the time. ISO out, let him, let him, let him, you know, jab back step. this guy down jab, and then jab, jab, jab step jab, or jab, back jab. him down and do some 70, kind of fade. 70 jab steps before he takes a shot. <laughs> <laughs> or seven, seven steps too. Elbow, jab step, jab step, jab step, jab step, True. shot. Jab step, jab step. I still think it's step one of the most beautiful shots I've seen. Oh, step yeah. Back, jab step. He's a bucket getter for sure. Mellow, mellow on fire is, is some of the coolest. He just hits the craziest shots when he, when he <laughs> shot fire. No, and he just has no like a smooth can't. snapping motion. Yeah. Viewers can't see it, but I'm doing the mellow, the three to the, three to the, three I got to the you dome. too. <laughs> I got you too. All right, because it's I, I want to go eat. We're gonna roll.
Sonrique, your wild card. My my wild card again. Score. I must be reading from the same websites, but I was also going to say anybody besides Darko, and I was going to focus on Melo. But um, thanks for that. I'll just get this next pick. Also going along with draft picks. So in two thousand nine, the Minnesota Timberwolves had two picks. <laughs> Back to back. And, you know, they heard about this guy from Davidson, and they're like, fuck him. He doesn't matter. And instead of picking Steph Curry, the Minnesota Timberwolves decided to take Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn um, in that 2009 draft. What if the Minnesota Timberwolves had picked Steph Curry instead? Uh, Does Kevin Love stay with Minnesota? How many champions championships do the Warriors win? Probably none. Probably none. How many I mean, does, probably how does Minnesota none. go? Think about this. Think about this. It's not Steph Curry over both Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. It's just Steph Curry over Johnny Flynn. You can yeah. still have Ricky Rubio. I, now you I, have Ricky Rubio, Steph Curry, and Kevin Love. I defend that Ricky Rubio pick because Ricky Rubio was good coming out of... Uh, Ricky Rubio is uh, good. I know he still is, but I mean, you can defend the Ricky Rubio pick. It's the Johnny Flynn pick that's just the Johnny Flynn pick is a head scratcher because Steph doesn't need the ball in his hands, even though he does have it in his hands a bunch. Right. He could still he still passes out and then can run around twelve screens. Time. Yeah. So if if you want to make Steph more of a uh, like a like a shooting guard, you can, and it's not. But Johnny Flynn is like. Six foot flat with shoes on. Yeah, and John Phil's a great college player, but that's but a he botch. needed the ball in his hands. Yeah, which so did Ricky Rubio. Yeah, Ricky Rubio's not a scorer, right? He's a true point guard. He's actually gotten a little bit better scoring, but um, to imagine Ricky Rubio beating Steph Curry, I mean, obviously Steph Curry's most effective. His best, his, he's most effective with the ball in his hands. That's what makes him the greatest shooter of all time. But a team with Curry, Love, and Rubio. It's tough to imagine, but I could imagine, you know, in the right hands, that could be some really creative offensive stuff. Yep. Because Kevin Kevin Love was getting buckets down low, but he was also, obviously, later in his career, he could start stepping out and shooting the three. Yeah. So, Rubio would have had probably assist totals out out of his mind. Absolutely, yeah. All right, very cool. I, I I hate to push us along, but we're really bumping up against it here. So, Anthony, you have the second-to-last pick. You have the penultimate pick in our draft. Yep. Um, so there's a couple of different routes I was going to go with this one. Um, one of the ones I was thinking of was um, Benji Wilson. Okay. If he had never been shot and was able to – continue his career, right, because he was regarded as a magic Johnson with a jump shot. Um, but I'm going to be going with, and we talked about him a little earlier, uh, I'm actually going to be going with uh, Len Bias. Um, if he had not overdosed um, on cocaine, um, what would have happened, right? Um, coming out of college, actually, a lot of, I was kind of doing some research, um, a lot of people had him with a similar skill set um, as Michael Jordan, um, coming out of the draft was very highly touted. Um, 
would have joined an amazing Celtics team as it was. Uh, I mean, they still had Bird, Mikel, and Parrish on the team. Um, so for him to join that team um, with the, the skill set that he had, um, being 6'8", um, being highly athletic, um, who coming out, they said that had, he had a better jump shot than Mike coming out of, the, um, out of college at the time um, and was bigger than him, um, just not as um, not as dominant around the rim. I mean, Jordan a lot of times had to – I mean, Jordan a lot of times made some crazy finishes around the rim. Uh, but, right, what could have been if he had joined that team? I'm, I mean, I think the Celtics would have easily – gone on another run of championships having add him to that mix of of Bird and, and Mikhail and Parrish. Um, oh, yeah. so that is that is my pick. Very I mean, cool. He was, their, he was their future. You know? And he would have been around those three. They would have shown him all the ropes, blah blah blah. And then when those dudes retired, he'd been in his prime and just been able to lead that team into the future. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, sorry, guys. I am messing with my computer here because nobody's interested in that. So I have the last pick uh, in the draft. And like you guys all, I, I have a few ways that I wanted to go with it. Um, I already did a Jordan thing. I would have loved to talk about the Wizard Jordan era because he's actually a lot better than people remember during the Wizards before his injury. And what would it have been like if he'd have led the Wizards to the playoffs? Like, would that have just put him to a degree where... Because before his injury, he was averaging like 26, 6, and 5 or something that year. Um, you know, would that basically end it forever and ever? Or, um, you know, would, would people have been like, wow, like this guy right here, right? Um, I'll talk about doing the Blazers. We talked about Odin and Brandon Roy and Travis Houghton and all that stuff. But instead, I, I have to go with something that, in my opinion, has been a, a big what if. And that's if Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming could have stayed healthy during their time together. Um, together, they missed something like 180 games, or I think something like that. 150 games, 180 games throughout their tenure together. And a lot of those games, I remember multiple years where I'm watching the playoffs and they're either missing Yao or they're missing Tracy McGrady. And the Rockets made, I think, the Western Conference semifinals um, one year, but it was without Tracy McGrady. I believe that's correct. Um, and just a big what if. What if those two guys could have stayed healthy and on the floor together and had full seasons? You know, we talked about Yao at the very top. Enrique said he'd be the best center of all time. Um, yep. We talked about Tracy McGrady in terms of what ifs for his injuries and stuff like that. And if he could have stayed in, in Toronto. And when they were in Houston, those teams were really, really good. Now, I cannot sit here and tell you that they definitely would have won championships. But given how good they were with one or both superstars missing and how good they were when they were both on the floor, I could really envision them snatching one of those 2006 to 2010-ish era championships and that would have changed not only Trace McGrady's legacy not only Yao Ming's legacy 
but really kind of the legacy of a lot of people. Because in those years, you're seeing people like Dwayne Wade win his first championship. You're seeing the Spurs catch one of their um, championships. You're seeing the Celtics having a comeback. The Lakers, Kobe Bryant having a couple of back-to-back, right? If the Rockets could have snatched one of those, it would have been really, I think, legacy-altering for a lot of people. And again, I watched a lot of those teams. Um, You know, some people doubt whether or not their supporting cast was good enough, but I would argue that that Rockets team that had Trace McGrady and Yao Ming was really well built and really well coached. And you have a roster of people who, you know, their third or, you know, their third best name typically was like Shane Battier, who we've covered in the past a little bit when Enrique tried to take him as a, as a bench player. Um, But they had a roster full of guys who were really great role players. I liken it to, and actually Kyle Lowry was on both teams, I liken it to this more recent Toronto Raptors um, championship team where they had some star power, of course, but they also had a lot of guys around that knew their roles and did their roles to the best of their ability. And that really, that cohesion and that team chemistry is really what took them over the top. I think those mid-2000s, uh, mid to late 2000s, um, Rockets teams had that same type of team and same type of cohesion. And if both Yao and Trace McGrady had been able to stay healthy and stay on the floor together at the same time, I think they could have been at least challenging for championships, if not snagged one. And we would really think about those teams in particular, the players on them, but also other players much, much differently uh, had they been able to accomplish that. So I'm going with them. Definitely. Um, nice. I, I mean, the, the biggest thing, people want to talk about championships, and you just give one, if you give Tracy McGrady a championship, one championship, Yeah. he's thought of way more. I mean, people that actually watch basketball, then they know Tracy McGrady was a problem. Yeah. But for the people that want to say, like, oh, he was nowhere near Kobe. No, dude, he was, he was pretty close to Kobe. And a championship would have solidified that. Yeah. Wholly agree. Um, it's just a shame, like I say, because that's also a team that's well-built. And yeah. so maybe like a 2004 Pistons type of idea where they had more star power than that, but the game had really shifted to star power, and it's a star-driven league, and it still is today. Um, but if that team had won, people might be saying, okay, hold on, wait a second, much like the Spurs at the time, let's build a team here. Let's get these role players, you know? Um, so, and, uh, this is kind of a tangent to that thing, but I was listening to a podcast with Daryl Morey, uh, and he said that, uh, you know what, cut that out. <laughs> I forgot my I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> and Tyler drops the ball. What yeah, the... It, it said something. It was something about I don't remember the specifics, but like he he probably would have traded Yao mm. if he could have because he knew that because Daryl's always been on the forefront. That's what it was. Daryl's always been on the forefront of like analytics and stuff, and he knew that teams are going away from bigger yeah bigger. Uh, so he could have traded Yao for. Probably a litany of, of like good role players to put yeah. around Tracy, and 
I know you're talking about Tri- Tracy and Yao, but I mean Tracy McGrady by himself with a bunch of other, you know, high mid to high tier uh, role plays that that you could have gotten for Gao. That could have been a whole different team as well. Yeah, I mean uh, everything changes if they can stay healthy. The options are available for sure. So awesome. So um, that brings us to the end of our draft. So let's just do a quick rundown. Um, so Socorro, you picked first. So give us your five selections. Let us know your team. Your coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Okay. So for injury, I went with Derek Rose. Um, just the couple of injuries that he suffered in 2012, 2014, and how it derailed his career. Um, Yi Jianlian for my foreign pick. Um, player coming over from China and just uh, injuries once again, just barring him from really getting to fill the shoes of the potential he has. Wrong place, wrong time is Charles Barkley. Um, not that he didn't dominate back when he played, but being in the Jordan era and an era with a lot of big men, take him out of that, put him in the league like we have nowadays, and he could be the best player in the league. Uh, trades uh, and free agency, I had Shaq staying with the Magic instead of moving to L.A. and sort of the ripple effects it has as well on the Lakers and Kobe's titles. And then the last one was um, the Detroit draft. Uh, instead of getting Darko Milicic, Milicic going for Carmelo, Wade, or Bosch. Very nice. Uh, Enrique. Yeah, my injury what if started the hour with uh, Gao Ming. Uh, potential to have, be the greatest center of all time. Foreign what ifs. Uh, the Greek god Nikos Galis. Uh, wrong place, wrong time, Mr. Reggie Miller. Aborted trades, uh, Scotty Pippen for Sean Kemp could have changed NBA as we know it. And finally, those Timberwolves, how they missed Steph. How did they miss picking <laughs> Steph Curry? How did they miss with two chances? Cool. Anthony. Yeah, so for my injury, um, I went with uh, Grant Hill. Um, kind of LeBron before his time. Um, foreign player, I went with uh, Oscar Schmidt, um, regarded by a lot of players as someone who could have been one of the greatest players um, had he had come into the NBA. Uh, wrong place, wrong time. Um, I went with Pistol Pete. Um, I think that he had all the skills and tool sets to be a modern player. Um, no three-point line kind of hindered some of his uh, production back in the day. Um, the trade scenario, the abandoned trade, um, was James Harden not leaving the Thunder and the potential that that core could have had with the three of them, um, being the team of, of the decade. Um, and then lastly, um, uh, Len Bias, uh, just someone regarded as having the skill set, um, in a bigger version as Michael Jordan and kind of the havoc he could have wrecked, um, being on that, that great Celtics team that had already had um, Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Uh, so that was my five. Great. For myself, uh, I had Greg Oden for my injury. Um, for my foreign player, I had a young prime Arvidas Sabonis. Um, for my wrong place, wrong time, I had Mike Ryan, the fan who unfortunately got punched by Ron Artest in the Mouse at the Palace, even though he didn't do anything. Um, for my free agency or trade what if, I have uh, the rumored um, 1984 draft night trade that would have sent Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, and Clyde Drexler all to the Houston Rockets. 
And finally, for my wild card, my, my you know, any potential, um, I have the Yao Ming, Trace McGrady Rockets, being able to stay healthy, maybe snagging a championship, and being considered um, a great team. Tyler, why don't you go ahead and uh, finish this out here? All right. Uh, for my injury, I chose Penny. He was like uh, the next Magic. Uh, for foreign players, I chose Drazen Petrovic. And if he didn't die in 93, the wrong place, wrong time, I chose Mamedo Core. I still say that he could probably get like a a big contract nowadays because he's exactly what teams want now. Uh, for plausible trades and stuff, I chose what if T-Mac didn't get traded to the Magic. They could have figured out how to play with Vince. And if it didn't live up to potential, I chose the uh, 99-04 Kings, which I could go on a long, a long soliloquy about that right now, but I'll let uh, Travis eat the burrito. Yes, we're bumping close to three hours here. So um... No, no, we started at six. We, we, we started closer to six. All right, well, we're still bumping a pretty long podcast here. So um, there are teams. Let us know. Uh, eventually, I'm going to get a Twitter up and running with uh, along with uh, – this podcast so people want to uh vote i'll try to put up graphics and people can vote on who they had thought they had the best team of both this episode and the previous episode um thank you for listening uh, join us next time um did anybody think about what our uh topic for next week might be i had like we could it's like uh the most fun players to watch. I don't Ooh, know. Okay. It's just a quick, like just like different. Like Steph is fun to watch because of his shooting. And like yeah. Shaq is fun to watch because. Yeah, let's just do that. Apply it across different stat categories. All right. Yeah. So look forward to our next podcast, which would be uh, most fun players to watch based on various categories. Things like maybe shooter, dunking, you know. Passing. Uh, I mean, Rondo was fun to watch. Passing. Such a good passer. Oh, don't give it away. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler, no spoiling, Tyler. Yeah. All right. So thanks again for joining us uh, for uh, Here's Some Guys. Uh, this is Travis signing off. Do you guys want to do any like cool individual sign-offs? Hey, yo. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> original. If you're able to stick I, it out, we appreciate it. I guess that's a no. So We are some guys. Um, yeah. You stay golden, Pony Boy. Also yeah. original. Very original. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so until next time, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And break. Bye, guys.